0: what's going on? Welcome to the Jeff Gersman show. I'm Jeff Gerstman. It is September That's it. It's just it's September. It's here. Video games are back are they i you know i it's uh i I continue to feel a little weird about the release calendar, and that is something that is that is my fault uh because of decades and decades of being trained that September was when like a bunch of big games started hitting. It doesn't really feel like that's the case, but there's been a ton of just like good stuff these past couple of weeks, or actually, you know, it's a mix of good stuff and interesting stuff or, or stuff that it, it ended up being not good, I guess in the case of like a saints row. But, um, you know, we've had some releases here over these past few weeks. And this last week felt like the first kind of calm week for releases in, in, in about a month or so. Um, which is weird. That's not normally... That's not normally how uh, th- this business does things. And I'm sure some of that is exacerbated by... I guess The Last of Us came out? That came out? That remake? Uh, the, I, I, that thing came out? I, I, have, I have not seen it. I don't... I I just don't... I don't have any interest in that. So, uh, so I, there are probably some people that are playing that, I guess. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Other than that, it's been... Uh, it, I have... <laughs> You know, you, you can't see it on camera, but I've made some slight reor- uh, reorganization of the room here, and I've moved the PC a little bit further away from me, which is nice for like a noise. Um, a, a from a noise perspective, the fans get, can really spin up on that thing, but also it it is it generates so much heat. This room. I mean it's been like a hundred and but somewhere has been somewhere between like a hundred and five and hundred and nine degrees here for the past week or so. Um and it is going to be about that uh temperature for the rest of this week. And I think this weekend it will finally get back to a point where it's only ninety degrees and you're like, Yay. So yeah, it, it's uh this room in particular uh becomes a pretty unpleasant place to be But also this room, you know, as you remember from this wall getting torn down right here, this room is right off the, the, the air conditioner, the, all the furnace, all the pumps, everything emanates from the, the the closet right next to this room. And so my AC vent up here is the first vent off of the furnace. And so at least the AC works well when it is running, which really just underscores, um, I, this is, uh, this is an increasingly dire need on my part. I want to do it. I think, you know, people are like, oh, it's going to save money over time. I feel like it would almost save me money within uh, six months or something with the way some of this is going with the heat. But I need to get solar panels. I want to get solar panels and a battery. I want to save money on electricity. I want to not worry about power outages maybe quite as much because they are definitely turning off power around town here and there. Um as the grid is overloaded or you know whatever the hell it is uh, they they always threaten that they're like hey keep your keep your ac at 78 or higher if you can and we we honestly we we don't often run it lower than 78 but it doesn't matter cuz it's so fucking hot that it still runs for 7 hours straight uh, <laughs> and uh it's like oh well we have it set to 78 but also it's a f- 2 trillion degrees outside um I love the idea. I, I've said it before, and and I will continue to say it. I I love the idea of solar electricity. I love the idea of solar power. All of these alternative energy sources, new technology—not that it's even that new anymore—but um, you know, I I wanna I want to I want to get it. I want to get it, but it is still impossible. It still feels impossible to figure out what the right who who is the right company who is the right contractor who is the right you know who is the 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 who is not going to rip you off because it seems like all of the there is so you hear so much from people who are like I got solar panels but I leased the panels from some dude who came to my door and now I'm getting screwed over and you know like you, you just hear all these horror stories about the people that are selling solar and installing solar that it is incredibly hard to discern which one of these companies is going to shoot me straight, which one of them is going to give me, you know, like like not take advantage of me all this other stuff. And I I don't I honestly don't know what to do, you know? So, you know, we're we're still relatively new to the area, like we moved about a year ago now. And so I don't have like a network of a lot of contractors or all, all these other people that I've worked with that I can be like, "Hey, do you know someone like, I don't know anyone that has solar that is close to here that I can go, who did you go with? I, I, I have no, I, I don't have any kind of uh, like network thing that I can rely on to say like, hey, how do I go about doing this? Or or did you like the company you went with or, or anything like that? Uh, and so it's just like this cavalcade of people coming and pounding on my door like once every month or once every month and a half or something and being like, "Hey, what's up? Are you are you the man of the house? Do I want to talk to you about a thing." And I'm like, "How about you instead you talk to get fucked?" And then, you know, closing the door and running away. Um But you know, you know we have we have had some folks in the house. They, you know, did the wall and some of that other stuff you may have seen some of them on the streams last week doing fantastic work out there. I need to check with those guys and see if they uh see if they know anyone. I want to say I asked and they didn't have a great answer. Um, but yeah, I, I want to do that. And then I want to leave the AC running 24 seven during these insane heat waves and just go like, well, at least I'm using the power of the sun. So some of this is, is, you know, not going to hit my power bill as hard every month, you know, go and get the battery and all that other stuff and, and, You know, because it sounds like the government is subsidizing some aspect of that or they're about to. I know that that bill got signed. Right. But I don't know what the process is for that. It just seems like there's a lot to figure out when it comes to that sort of stuff. Um, And. And yeah, but my power bill right now is. I don't know what it's going to be these last couple of months just from the the way the heat has been, you know, so at night it's not getting any colder than. Um, I think like 77 is the coolest I've seen it overnight, like by 6am, it'll be down to like 74 or something, but it's still like 81, 82 degrees at midnight. And so you can't really open windows. And so it's just like the AC is just coming on at like 2am. It's like, Hey, it's hot. I'm like, what? And it's like, again, I have it set to 78. It's not like I'm trying to keep things 72 Degrees here or something so it, it's uh yeah so i'm I'm trying to not waste money I'm trying to be smart about stuff and uh and solar seems like a solid investment in stuff, so i i don't know like yeah I, but i i guess again like it it wouldn't be i would love to pull the trigger on this I've wanted to do it for a long time, even before uh moving it was something I wanted to do, but it's just it, it's it just seems so hard to separate the scam artists from you know the the real companies that are out there doing the work and it just you hear so many horror stories about this sort of stuff that i just i'm just not really sure what to do so that that's where i've been uh is continuing to think about that stuff it's going like all right i gotta i gotta figure out i just I, i'll pay for them outright i don't want to do any weird lease deal i don't want to end up in some weird um BS contract or anything like that. But anyway. Whatever. Short version. It's fucking hot. I think everyone knows that by now. I am. Yeah. It's been. It's been. Some bad. It has been some bad nights. And so. That is. Yeah. The the energy. Energy drinks are. uh, A little more vital. These days. Because. I keep waking up in the middle of the night going, "Oh my god, it's uh it's stupid. How hot it is in the middle of this house and I've got children and they are they are not sleeping and that that's we're all going to go crazy when that happens. So so I don't know. Yeah. Uh where I used to live you could get away with maybe not having air conditioning because there were not that many days of the year that were this hot. Moving south it's definitely like, okay, yeah, no, I, I get why everyone has air conditioning down here because you would not, you you would have to, you would have to short version. You would have to, um, why don't we get into, uh, some video games here. I, um, I have been playing, uh, a little bit more of task force, which we, we, uh, I ran a stream of that last week. If you want to see it. That is up on, uh, what is it? That's up on YouTube. You can go to the YouTube channel, and you can find uh, a video of Task Force. This is a game, I, it was $6 on some kind of launch special. It is, uh, I believe that special is over, so it may be more like 10 or, or something like that now. But it is not the most expensive game in the world. And it is a bootleg SOCOM game. Bootleg is maybe a strong word. It, I don't think anything in the game itself is infringing, I guess I should say. It is a third-person kind of tactical shooter, um, and um, it is a multiplayer-focused thing. Like, this doesn't have a campaign or anything. The original SOCOM games had had campaigns and stuff, but, you know, there have been a lot of projects over the years, like H-Hour and some of this stuff that have set out to try to raise money and be like, hey, uh, we're trying to... Uh, recreate the SOCOM experience. And it felt like none of those ever really got there. I remember trying H-Hour. I don't know. Is H-Hour even, does it even still exist? I don't even know. Um, But there's Task Force. And this is a, a, again, another one of these games that is desperately trying to kind of recreate the SOCOM experience. And I think it is largely successful for um, a couple of reasons. One, it's very inexpensive. And that's that's a nice touch. Uh, I guess, so this has been around forever. Uh, the, the, the page on steam, it just launched in early access on steam. And so, uh, but, but despite that, you know, th- there are videos going back, I want to say like five years or something of this game. So I think they did do some kind of like, I don't know if it was Kickstarter. I don't know what it was, but there's a, you know, on the on their site, there's a a page for like backer keys and stuff like that. So that clearly they have raised money. They have done things. They have tried to do stuff, but on their steam page, it's very much like, hey, uh, two guys are making this game and we're out of money, and so we've got to put it out now. And, um, but I, I, that's, That sounds like a recipe for disaster, but I will say what they put out seems pretty good for what they are trying to accomplish. For one major reason, they included Steam Workshop support in the game for custom maps. And so someone, whether it was the developers or, or some other you know i i don't know I don't know the source of these someone went and created uh new versions of all of the old socom maps, so your frost fires, your desert glories, you know like uh your fish hook all you know all of this sort of stuff um is already there already, and so it, it's a, it's active enough to where every time I've tried to launch the game, I've been able to find other humans to play with. Um, it's it hasn't necessarily been a zillion people, but it's been like, hey, here's like twelve servers, and most of them are relatively full. Um, and they're all running old SOCOM maps, <laughs> and uh, it's awesome for what it is. I've I've been on the record for I'm gonna say probably at least a decade at this point. In terms of saying, I don't think that Sony should make a new SOCOM. I don't think that... I don't think a new SOCOM game is ever going to be a big commercially successful sort of thing without totally throwing away everything that people remember and love about early SOCOM. Uh, and if you weren't there for those games, I also think coming to this game, you're going to look at it and be like, "What is? It? Who was the, what's the big deal? Who cares? Because... It's an online shooter. It's a competitive online shooter. We we piss competitive shooters through our penis around this place. That is how many come out a week around here. Um, So, you know, that's not necessarily impressive on its own. But back on the PlayStation 2, when you had to strap a network adapter to your PS2 to play anything, um... Socom and and for me Socom 2 was where it stopped. Everything after Socom 2 I'm I'm kind of whatever about. Um there really just wasn't anything like it happening on consoles at the time. And it is, it was it was such a fun it was such a fun game in its day. And me and my roommate would play the shit out of those games for hours. He'd be in, you know we'd just be yelling down the hall. Um and I've told this. You know, whenever he would die, he would start doing push-ups until the next round started. Not all the time, but you know he. I don't know. He. He had to move heavy things for a living, so he had an interest in being strong. Me, I had an interest in sitting still, and still do, to be honest. Um, but it was just an incredibly fun competitive game. Uh, a, a a competitive shooter before you know before call of duty came around and and kind of changed all of that stuff and 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 codified and and really locked all that stuff down before even you know to a certain extent gosh i'm going to say this is you know i'm going to have to look dates now we're going to have to look dates because i want to say this is before before halo was on xbox live or okay so socom 1 was august 2002 Halo 2 is November 04.
1: So there you go. So this was pre-Halo on the
0: internet. This was the very early days of online gaming on consoles even. This was, you know, you had the Dreamcast to come along, the PlayStation 2, the network adapter finally did come out and you know, I think I got my network adapter with SOCOM? or They includes the headset, that's what it was. They had the because they had some some voice control. for the, It had voice chat. And you could also. On, when you were playing online. But playing the campaign. You could order your AI guys around with a headset. And so. These are the very early days. So let's see here. SOCOM is August 02. When did Tony Hawk 3 come out? That's like late 01 right? Um. So late 01 is when Tony Hawk 3 comes out. And that is maybe the first. Online PlayStation 2 game. Because that thing just supported USB to Ethernet adapters. You didn't even need to get Sony's network adapter because that network adapter wasn't even a fucking out then. Activision was just like, yeah, we built online into it and it will work with Sony's network adapter if they ever ship the damn thing. But until they do, we've supported a limited list of USB Ethernet adapters so you can get online with it. Like, they really went the extra mile with Tony Hawk 3 to add that online stuff in. Anyway, later the next year, the network adapter would ship and you would start to see more and more games that supported that stuff. And SOCOM was, was one of them. Um, you know, and yes, Final Fantasy Eleven Final Fantasy was also one of the big ones because that game, you had to put the hard drive in and put the network adapter in front of it and all this other stuff. Um, and so SOCOM was very early. And it was, it, you look back on it now and, and it's, very, it's very quaint. In a way, Um, this kind of larger scale, you know, and I owned a PC, so it was like I was playing multiplayer games with player counts like this or higher for a long time at that point, right? I mean, you know, how old was was Quake 1 at that point? Pretty old. And so, you know, taken in the full context of where gaming was at, SOCOM was a very specific thing, right? Because it's like, okay, if you don't have a PC... And you've never seen this before. Uh, then this is the craziest thing you've ever seen. We're playing online. You know, if you didn't have a Dreamcast, which a lot of people didn't, because uh, you know there was definitely some online games on Dreamcast, of course. Um, but Fantasy Star Online only supported four players. How many players could play like Alien Front online? Was that maybe eight? Was that maybe eight? I don't remember, but um. We got incredibly into SOCOM and then SOCOM 2 after it. Just some great maps. Just really fun and and pretty tight mechanics in terms of it being this third-person shooter. And so it being third-person, you can cheat around corners. You can kind of walk up to a, a corner and kind of just t- tilt the camera to kind of see around and see if anyone's coming your way and all that sort of stuff. And And, you know, just... It was the sort of game and, you know, Call of Duty had definitely had years like this, but it was the sort of game where once you played enough of it, you were like, "Okay, take 10 steps this way. Stand here, turn here, aim at this, throw the grenade and it will land just in front of the enemy's spawn point. And so hopefully you'll catch a couple of people slipping at the beginning of a round Uh, because it was round based. It didn't have uh, respawns in, you know, eventually they I think they added some modes that had respawn, but like, you know, it really wasn't. It really wasn't the main way to play, um, and it was just an incredible time, and so Task Force is trying to recreate that. Now, a lot of time has passed, right? I mean, it's 20-frickin'-22. 20, it's not 2002. Um, and so much has happened in terms of, like, you know, console-style online gaming, all that sort of stuff. Like, it, it's all so commonplace across the board, um... But I think that you know, the, the audience for a game like Socom just eventually got soaked up by Call of Duty and, and all of that other stuff, and, and I don't think you know it's, I don't think that Socom would if you were to put together a real full-on Socom game and, and Sony were to put it out and try to get behind it, the last one they did was was that PlayStation 3 game that came out the week that their servers went down, because the P- PSN got hacked. And so the last SOCOM game kind of went out with a wet fart because it was like, "Here's this online game, and by the way, our servers are going to be offline for however long that was—two weeks, three weeks—I well, forget what it was." But um, by that point, Sony had already, you know, like like SOCOM had already basically been eradicated. It just wasn't—it wasn't, um, wasn't going to make it because gaming had changed. Uh, and so Task Force is this really exciting throwback to that style of game and, uh, the price is right, you know? It's like, here's this like, low-budget, they're out there saying, hey, we ran out of money, and we had to put it out, and it, um, it's rough. It's, you know, it's, it's rough around the edges, but also it has workshop support, and these maps are in the game, and, like, it plays enough like my memory of those early SOCOM games that I'm having a super fucking good time with it. Uh, I'm having a really, really good time with this thing, and, um, I got it up and running on the Steam Deck. It took a little bit of, of finagling to make that happen. But, you know, nothing nothing too crazy. Um, and, yeah. It's so it's interesting. Because, for again, for all these years, I've said, like, oh, man, there's no way. Like, don't put out a new SOCOM. Just, like, no one would care. And, they you know, the, these, this small team put together a game that is enough like SOCOM. That it, it is very SOCOM-like. And it's like I'm ex- I'm simultaneously excited about it, and also I feel like it is proving me one thousand percent right. Where I'm just like, yeah, there's no like, if you did a big budget version of this, it would, you know, I don't know that that would necessarily attract many more players than we're seeing here in this small uh, early access game, you know, um, and and yeah, just like that that style of game. I don't. I just don't think there's there's room for it in this day and age. I don't think the. I don't think players. Well, gosh. I mean, think about it. You know, like like remove it from the Call of Duty. You know, like the, it's it's very easy to say, the rise of Call of Duty in 07, I think was really the thing that kind of shut the door on the SOCOM style experience because they they kept making them. You know, we had some PSP games and and some other stuff like that. That until that until that kind of final that final PS three game it was like a bunch of games came out that week that had that were like very online focused Mortal Kombat 9 came out and um and and this this last SOCOM game and and it was just like pfft, nope crushed um yeah just a, a weird, unceremonious end to that franchise. But but also, I don't. Again, I, I think if the servers didn't go down, I don't think that necessarily the last SOCOM game would have suddenly blown up and been like a massive success or, or anything like that. So so it's kind of a like I said, it, it's a game that feels like it, it just uh, it had its day and people have moved on. And again, like, sorry. So remove. Okay. Not only did Call of Duty happen, and that style of shooter rise up. Uh, and, and and take its place on consoles and become the kind of de facto standard experience for shooters on consoles. You know, then there was the other left turn of like, okay, now you've got Fortnite and now you've got PUBG and now you've got that style of shooter. Um, that, have, that now that has become the dominant form. And in a weird way, like some of those games are, you know, like those are third person games. Obviously, they kind of have first-person modes and and all that sort of stuff. But it's a weird thing where it's like, oh, wait. Suddenly, all of the most popular shooters in the world are third-person games anymore. Is there a window for SOCOM to succeed? I don't think so. Uh, Rev408 in the chat asks, doesn't playing with a controller put you at a disadvantage? Task Force does have the ability, when you create a server, to say controllers only. And I think that is uh, a 1,000% the way to play the game. Because, again, I I think they're trying to emulate... A game that was played with a fricking PlayStation Two controller, and so that is the, uh, that is the way to do it. But uh, anyway, I I don't think that I don't think that Fortnite being a third person game is necessarily going to open a big door for SOCOM to come back. But it is interesting to see that that that, that kind of cycle turned that 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 turned around again, uh, and suddenly people were playing third person games. That was kind of when I you know when I dropped off PUBG, it was because people started playing it more as a first person game and I didn't like, I didn't think that it played especially well as a first person game. I'm sure that they have continued to polish it up and all that stuff. I've not played it in a while, but, um, but that was, that was sort of where I fell off that game. Cause that game just felt like a third person game to me. And the camera management was just part of the, the experience there. And so, Playing in first person when when most of my friends or most of the people that I knew that were still playing PUBG really wanted to play it first person. I think that was when I was like, nah, I don't I don't want to do this because it just seemed clunky and fucked up as a first person game. And so. I was not especially interested, but anyway. Long story long, uh, Task Force is. A really fun throwback. To that SOCOM style experience that just doesn't exist in gaming anymore, and um, if that's something that interests you, if you if you played the early SOCOM games and you want to see those maps again, I would I would definitely give this a look. Uh, they've issued a few patches. It, it you know they, it is for for as much as they're saying, hey, we're out of money and all this other stuff. Like they they have issued some small patches since the early access release and so you know it does look like that there are still people working on that game in some capacity it doesn't seem like that they just threw task force out there and and let it die or or anything like that but um yeah insurgency yeah fastcow in the discord is is saying insurgency i you know i took a look at insurgency i don't know that i played much of it but yeah you know a few people that were big into socom to play insurgency nowadays huh maybe i'll go give it another look with that in mind and see if it kind of and and, you know for for me this is the, the the situation here is that they have allowed workshop support and allowed those socom maps to come directly into the game like the recreation of early socom is the thing that makes this much more exciting to me than something like H hour or some of the other stuff that that they have tried to do. And so, um, so I think that goes a long way that they're just like, all right, we're going to put up uh, yeah, it's unreal engine four. You know how to make maps in unreal. Here's uh, here's workshop support. What are we going to do with it? I don't know, (laughs) but the, the game certainly is, um, the game certainly does have a workshop full of old SOCOM maps and that's what I want out of it. I don't necessarily need a brand new SOCOM. I want to see those maps again. I like when I loaded in and it was frost fire, I was like, fucking cool. This is great. This is awesome. Um, and so, yeah, I, have been, I've been having a pretty good, a pretty good time with it, but it scratches such a highly specific itch that it's really hard for me to say, everyone should go play task force. Like it's, it's a really, it's a really specific flavor of game that hasn't been made in like 20 years and, and all of that other stuff. And so it's just a really weird and crazy, weird and crazy thing. Um, why don't we take a quick ad break here and we'll come back and we will get into, um, the the rest of things let's get these let's get these ad breaks going and then we can then we can get serious well then we can get serious it's time to combine all of your different internet connections into one super connection for speed and reliability now how are you going to do this now with speedify speedify is how you're going to do it speedify is the app that can combine multiple internet sources into one bonded super connection you can use that to improve improve your live streaming video calls you know web browsing whatever. hey anything you're doing online can benefit from this type of reliability now speedify is an app you run it on your phone you run on your pc all this other stuff whatever connections you've got and it will say okay connect here connect here connect here And it will join them all together so that you can have a reliable connection. This is great if you're, you know, let's say you're at some crappy hotel with the worst internet in the world. And you want to be able to use some of that, but also use your phone's connection. You can join them together for some additional reliability. Or, hey, you know, like you're at a coffee shop trying to do like a Zoom call or something like that. Coffee shop's not going to have good Wi-Fi. There's probably some guy three tables down torrenting game of thrones somehow, you know, like just sucking up all of that coffee shops connection, you know, all that connectivity going over to that dirt bag. You can bond your connections. It runs in the background. It's simple to use. And unless you combine any number or type of internet connections for better performance, it's available for everything. You know, your PC, Mac, iPhone, Android, they even have a Linux version. And at its core, speedify is also a VPN. So it encrypts all of your web traffic. And that's nice for privacy and security type stuff. What are you waiting for, huh? Get out there. Get better internet on the road. Speedify can help you deliver that by combining all of your connections into one super connection. You can download Speedify today at speedify.com slash Jeff. That's S-P-E-E-D-I-F-Y dot com slash
1: Jeff. All right, we're back.
0: And uh the other the other big game I've been playing the 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 the, the biggest game. <laughs> um I just I love Arcade Paradise so much and I I have been continuing to chip away at that every single night. Um and unlocking more arcade machines and expanding the arcade. I invested in a game developer which seems like it's going to go bad and you know the you are ostensibly running a laundromat and your father is none the wiser that you've expanded it into an arcade and that feels like it's all about to come crashing down in a storyline sense and so like the 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 heat is on there uh but i just got i just when i next time i fire it back up i will acquire a foosball table um and uh another game uh, i'm getting ready to buy a game i think it's called knuckles and knees i don't know it's it is really engaging to build this arcade it is not as you know the 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 management sim aspect of it is not mega deep you know in terms of like running the laundromat all the other stuff like you get an upgrade currency that lets you be more efficient with things and and then thus Basically, like a lot of the upgrades are are being done in uh in a way to kind of facilitate you playing the arcade games a little bit more. And um and I think that's that's been pretty cool to to go through that process. There are goals on all the arcade machines, and when you complete the goals, then those that makes your arcade machines more popular. Which means you earn more money from those arcade machines so you can buy more arcade machines and kind of keep this cycle going for I believe there are 35 games in all. So I'm probably only about halfway through this thing. Um and yeah, you know, there's a vector graphics kicks clone in there that is not as good as regular kicks, I will tell you. There's some key things they left out that make kicks great that you're just like, well, uh Yeah, this is this is clunky, but it's still it's still kind of kicks and I'm still, there's like a, a, a Bomberman style game in there that is, uh, really shitty, <laughs> you know, in, in a, in a way that's like, it, it's, you think about it in terms of like, man, if this was in an arcade, how would this do? What would this look like? How would this go? Uh, to me, that's been, that's been half the fun is like having some of these games be really good and actually fun to play over and over again. And then some of the games in arcade paradise are just off enough that you're like, man, I hate this, but I'm still going to unlock all these goals in this damn thing. Um, there's a pretty decent dual joystick shooter called Zombat two that I think if they polished up a little bit more and, uh, added a little bit more variety to it could maybe stand on its own on, on some platforms, maybe outside of arcade paradise, but you'd have to do, you'd have to do quite a bit to it. I think, um, and yeah the the only the only real bummers i've encountered so far is there's a ddr style machine that just sucks the 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 timing of the steps doesn't line up for most of the songs in it and that's just like that's broken right there there's a pool table that is an absolute disaster it is not fun to play it the physics on it are practically broken and um it's just it's a it sucks um <laughs> And then there is a game that what is it called? I think it's called Bug Eye. Bug Eye, and it is a um, it's a puzzle bobble clone, a a bust a move clone, if you will, where you are shooting bubbles up into a pit, and then you know when they pop, they they fall down. For me, that game is completely broken for color blindness reasons. There's like a I, I think it's a yellow and a green in that game that uh, look identical to me, and there's you know they did really good with other the other color based game is stack overflow and they did really good at putting um putting logos on the boxes that you can use if you if you can't rely on the colors and um yeah this other one doesn't have that so so yeah that that sucks um you know there should be like little symbols or something inside the bubbles or or something like that um but you get a pretty solid missile command clone that is really stylish and has some ideas about um, comboing your explosions together and kind of building chains off of that. There's like, that's kind of the, the really interesting thing about a lot of the arcade machines in this game is that some of them feel like... Some of them are, are direct clones of existing things, you know, um, or, or mashups of a couple of different concepts. And then you see a couple of things in there where you're like, oh, actually, like, huh. Like if you took Missile Command but made it more of this combo-based thing, and so the focus was more on chaining your attacks to or, or chaining your explosions together rather than making sure you have enough missiles to fire one at each target, um, it becomes a very different thought process for the game. And you go like, "Wow, that's actually like kind of a cool concept." And so it's been fun just kind of like going through these games and just seeing them for what they are. Is going, "Man, there's some some really cool just." neat little ideas all over this thing. And so that's been the thing that's keeping me going is wanting to unlock these different machines and just see the ideas at play, whether it's like, here's this like funny little homage to, um, you know, Pac-Man style maze games seen through the lens of the GTA art style, you know, or the, the, you know, font choices and, and all of that sort of stuff. Or, um, or the, the the game that is just Bomberman, basically, uh, and and even this this puzzle bobble style game, you know, like like just seeing those things. Or the, there's an Arkanoid clone called Barkanoid, where you're a dog, and the dog gets long and short and all that sort of stuff. Um, the only catch with some of that stuff is you know you're you're playing all of it with a controller, um, whereas you know you would play Arkanoid with a spinner. I mean, let's be honest here. Uh, or maybe with a mouse. I I don't think it actually works with a mouse. I should check. Because maybe that would be a game that would be a little more fun with with a little bit more proper analog control, but it's not it's not too hard. Anyway, I guess like I you know, we we've, we've talked about it before. I've streamed it a couple of times, but I just I am still just absolutely loving Arcade Paradise. Uh I am I'm still just having a, a fantastic time with it and and I can't wait to see kind of where it goes from here. Uh, every time it feels like it's maybe like running out of steam just a little bit where it's like I'm spending a little bit too much in-game time without getting a new machine because that you will have instances in the story where it bogs down a little bit because you're focused on um, expanding the arcade so that it can be, you know, big enough to hold more machines or, or stuff like that. Like now I have a whack-a-mole machine. And it's fine. It's a whack-a-mole machine. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, you found a good control scheme for a whack-a-mole machine. That's neat, but it's still a whack-a-mole machine. You know, you're only going to you're only going to have so much fun with that i think but um it's just a it's just a fun little thing and and the the level of homage to the games the soundtrack like all of that sort of stuff it's just a fun little concoction of all of these little like joyous little aspects and and it's been really fun to go through that and and just kind of see what's next and so you know as i'm going through that process of unlocking the machines and doing that stuff I'm still having a great time with it. Once I unlock everything, and once I kind of, I assume at the end of that game, there's sort of an endless mode or some kind of thing where it's like now you can just play the arcade machines all you want. I suspect by the time I get there, I will have played enough of almost all of these arcade machines to where I'm not going to necessarily want to spend a ton of time doing that. But, um, but we'll see. I don't know. There's still a lot more machines to unlock from the looks of things. So I'm uh, yeah I'm. I'm having a a, just a a great time with that. That's one of those things that I'm just like playing a little bit more of every night. And uh, yeah, I've been having an awesome time with it. There's a video of that up on uh, the YouTube channel. If you want to, if you want to see that. All right. Why don't we get into the news? Splitgate, man, what timing uh, for, for split gate. I had some folks in the house, Last week, doing some work, uh, you know, putting up some baby gates, helping to baby proof the house. And, um, I got to talking to the, the baby proofer a little bit near the, when he was finished up and I was, you know, like seeing him off and all this of stuff. And he was like, oh yeah, like I, it was last Tuesday. In fact, I heard you doing the podcast in there. Yeah. No, I play, play, I play video games to stay, uh, connected with my daughter and, you know, she's going off to college and all this and that. And we play split gate. I was like, awesome, yeah, no, Splitgate is a cool game. I, I hadn't played much of it in a while, and then, uh, like, what was that? Let's say, was it, a, in, in fact, it, okay, so Friday of last week. So a few days after that, uh, the 1047 games, the publishers of Splitgate, put out this announcement. Important announcement about Splitgate's future. We cannot be here without your support. We pride ourselves on trying to be community as focused as possible, so on and so forth. Splitgate achieved a level of success that we could not have anticipated and that few indie games are fortunate to reach. That initial success brought an opportunity to turn what started as a college dorm dream project into a triple A game that could stand toe to toe with shooters from the biggest publishers in the industry. But this also meant that as we've brought on top tier talent from across the industry, we have spent a lot of our time trying to rework old content and systems that were originally built by a handful of people. We are, in a way, bailing water while also trying to keep everyone who bought a ticket to board our ship happy while also trying to turn our boat into a rocket ship. After careful consideration and much deliberation, the 1047 Games team has determined that in order to build the game fans deserve and to build it in a way that isn't trying to retrofit and live operate an existing product, we are ending feature development of Splitgate. We are turning our attention away from iterative smaller updates and going all in to focus on a new game in the Splitgate universe which will present revolutionary, not evolutionary, changes to our game. It will be a shooter, it will have portals, and it will be built in Unreal Engine 5. Oh, and it will be free. Uh, We want to be clear that Splitgate will remain online as will your items in progression. In fact, we will roll out a new Battle Pass on September 15th and it will be free to everyone as a thank you for playing Splitgate. Game support will continue and there will be smaller updates and fixes to Splitgate, but the bulk of our focus will be on an entirely new shooter that we can't wait to share with you. This is a see you soon and not a farewell. Uh, So I guess that's like some good news, bad news situation, right? I don't know if you remember when Splitgate came out. Uh, It exploded. It came out at the perfect time. People were looking for a new shooter. Halo had been delayed and wasn't coming out and, and Splitgate has like little bits and pieces of it that are very Halo-like. I mean, it does have portals. It is it is a shooter with it is a shooter with portals, and so you are creating portals, and you can you can shoot through the portals and all this other stuff. Like they are exciting mechanics to to engage with. Um, and it just got huge in a way that the game was like when when it first blew up, it was hard to get in to a match because it was this small team making this very small game and suddenly it became everyone was talking about Splitgate for like three weeks or something. You know, I forget how long it was. It did not feel like long. Um, and so that gave them the opportunity to suddenly be like, Oh, we can, we can really expand. We can really bring on more people. You know, but this, this game is doing well in a way that's going to let us, um, gonna let us grow the game and uh, that was maybe the last time i heard anyone talking about Splitgate. was like oh it really blew up and it seems like that they uh that they're gonna keep going with that that's really cool but like what they're laying out here in terms of like hey it's really hard to operate a thing and rebuild a thing like i could not agree more um you know not that it's like a one-to-one Comparison, but that was always something I felt with websites and with, uh, all that sort of stuff was like, there was like, man, if if you could just shut this site down for a couple of months and really rebuild it and that everyone involved could focus on like really changing things up, you could come back bigger and stronger, but you know, too many businesses are, uh, you know that was my advice to other websites uh, that that I worked adjacent to, and they're like, "Hey, you know, yeah, we can't, yeah, you know, got to got to keep that ad money coming in. Can't just shut the site down. <laughs> can't just stop putting up stuff." I'm like, yeah, no, I get it. Um, so in some way, like you know, like good for them. Like, congratulations to them for being able to to do this, right? Because if Splitgate had only done, you know, if Splitgate had done half as well as it did, then. You know, maybe they would not be afforded this opportunity to actually kind of like stop on Splitgate and focus on, I mean, let's call it Splitgate 2. I don't know. Um, Or, you know, it probably won't be Splitgate 2 because it's a game that they're going to want to support for years and years. And I think when you put sequel numbers on a live game, it's the Destiny 2 problem. Destiny 2 seems really, it seems really weird that that game is still just called Destiny 2. You know what I mean? Um and that they should bring back and yes Dota 2 all that sort of stuff. They should just bring back all of the locations from Destiny 1 and all of the un- the vaulted locations from Destiny 2 and then they should rename that game to Destiny. That's what I think. Anyway, th- who cares? Uh Splitgate was a fun cool concept. I I didn't get stuck on it or you know I-, I didn't I didn't play a ton of it. It was like I I played a handful of matches and I was like this is a really neat idea. Um, but all I'm really doing is camping on one side of a portal and sniping people through it. And that's fun, but uh, it is not a winning strategy. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I I had an okay time with Splitgate. It, it's neat. It's neat. But uh, them having the opportunity to rebuild it in UE5, them having the opportunity to really kind of think about the thing that they really want to be building... Um, and getting that opportunity is really exciting, but also at the same time, it is kind of a bummer. I'm sure if you're um, a Splitgate fan expecting more soon, this sounds like you're not going to be getting that much more in in a, in a near term timetable, but, but good for them. We'll see. Like, you know, that's, they're also going to launch a brand new game and who knows how well that will do. That's got to be scary to be starting all over again and, and all of that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, maybe when they roll out the new thing, they'll take this one offline and move everyone over there. I, I don't know. I wonder, you know, you, you'd like to think that, uh, you know, because this was a free-to-play game with cosmetics and all that other stuff, that when they do roll out whatever the new split gate game is, that they would um carry a lot of that stuff over if they could. The cosmetics, the, the, the you know, whatever, like whatever they can do to, to kind of continue to honor... The purchases that people made on the original game would be nice, but um but yeah, something that gets uh more regular support, something that gets more uh ongoing development and, and something that is a better a better foundation for them to build off of probably seems like a, a wise move uh, at this point because again like i it, you know I know splitgate's been running for a long time not' well, not that long, but it's been running for a while now, and I feel like, you know, again, it feels like Splitgate had people talking about it for that month or so. And then that, you know, then other shooters started coming out, whatever happened. And and just it felt like Splitgate kind of just got lost in the shuffle. So, you know, they. They gained uh, a player base and and they gained enough uh, runway to do what they're doing. And that's pretty cool. But. Yeah. Uh, uh, weirdly a a mostly good news, slight bad news, I guess, sort of announcement. Uh unlike the game that Splitgate kind of uh uh was able to to coast off of uh Halo Infinite, which really just seems like a bad news, bad news sort of situation these days. Um last week uh 343 kind of updated their roadmap updated their plans for what was going to what, what is going to happen with the ongoing support of Halo Infinite. And as part of this, I think the, the, the biggest thing, the the thing that people are up in arms about, uh, all that sort of stuff, they are canceling split screen co-op for Halo Infinite. um, And they are planning to... This is from Joe Statton. They are planning to take the resources they would use on split-screen co-op and attack their list of other uh, higher-priority targets for for development. And... This includes the online campaign co-op, which will launch November 8th. Uh, I believe Forge... Yeah, it looks like Forge will go into beta... Also, at that same time, they did do that campaign co-op beta uh, over the summer, and uh, I'm kind of i'm I'm looking over Polygon's kind of recap of it as well. And season three of multiplayer has been delayed. Originally, that was going to roll out in November, and now that's been pushed to March. But in this winter update that it will happen in that November time frame, there will still be two new maps. Wait, okay. Detachment and Argyle will be the two new maps that are coming as part of the winter update. And both of these maps maps were built with Forge. Well, I sure hope Forge is a much grander uh, product than it has been. Because in my experience, Forge maps have just been, hey, you can move the items around. And make a, a bunch of exploding boxes that fall and blow up, and that's fun. Um, this is this is a the, the Halo situation is bad. Uh, it, it's and it's a damn shame because I think that the foundation of Halo Infinite is awesome. It is one of it is the best game I played last year. I had so much fun with Halo Infinite between the campaign and what the multiplayer was at that time. Um, and then it just seems like every time they've tried to update it, things have gone wrong and there just hasn't been enough. At the end of the day, the, my, my biggest problem, and, and I bet that, you know, this is something that people that are trying to play a lot of Halo Infinite are feeling way more than I ever have, um, is that there just aren't enough multiplayer maps in that game just straight up they you know when i when i got back into that game when they added steam deck support i started playing it a little bit again and um it just i i launched a match and it just dropped me into that same map that the last spartan standing mode has always been on and i was just like man i don't i don't especially like this map i don't really want to play more matches on this map but there are so few maps that if I intend to play this game, I had better learn to love all of these maps, but I don't. And so th- to me, the, for, for me, and I know everyone's going to have their own thing that they want out of Halo, but for me, it's, it's got to be like that game needs to have twice as many maps that are in it, at least. You know, the, the battle pass, the progression, all that sort of stuff, like there's a lot of work that I think, you know, probably still needs to happen around that stuff. Uh, to make that stuff a little bit more engaging. But, um, you know, when they put out this this roadmap here and say like, okay, we got uh, in, in the November timeframe, we're releasing the Forge beta, the uh, online co-op, a new 30-tier battle pass, and two new maps. Uh, it's also a beta for match XP. So the, like reworking the progression system and all of that sort of stuff that they've said that they were going to do and they're going to have that out in some form there and then when season three starts in March uh, it will have new maps for both arena and big team battle it will have a new gun some new equipment which appears to be a bubble shield a new battle pass a custom game browser two new game modes VIP and escalation in-game reporting for cheaters and such uh, updates to the forge beta and something called a new fracture event which i don't remember what those are if they've done those before but um yeah i i think that the i think that the the biggest problem with halo for me is the lack of maps like the progression stuff like i could this to me, this timetable would be fine if they're like, oh, OK, like we had to push back the start of the season. And that means the new battle pass is going to be late or something. I'm like, ah, fine, whatever. Like you're pushing a bunch of cosmetics back like fucking who cares. Sure. Um, If they were sa- if they were if that was in conjunction with like and by the way, we brought on certain affinity or, you know, which they, they did do. I would bring on a team and say, make, you need to make a fucking bunch of fucking maps. I need like 10 fucking maps by this time next year. You need to get me one map a month for the next 12 months. Like, I, I would, yeah, I don't know. Like, this is Halo. Spend the money, right? And, and obviously, it's not, it's not always as easy as throwing a bunch of money at it, but I, you know, it is maps. People make maps for games sometimes, right? Uh, but I just I feel like you would you would really benefit. Like I, I think if if you if you were able to come away from this and say, hey, a lot of the stuff that yes, we're reworking the progression. We know we know that stuff has sucked for a long time. We agree. Fuck, fuck. We made some bets. We play some bad bets. Hey, it happens. But we got this online co-op stuff coming soon. People seemed like they liked that in the beta. That's going to happen at this time. And then, hey, we're, we got this new gun next year. And, you know, like if, if this stuff was like in conjunction with. And we've brought on some fucking expert level fucking map makers and artists and stuff like that. It, we've We've gone to an external studio and said, hey, can you fucking make some maps for our video game? And as a result, when those maps are done, we're going to put them in game ASAP. <laughs> um, I I feel like that would, and obviously, you know, yeah, it's not, you know, it ain't fucking nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, you can't, you cannot just go get level lord and say, fucking, could you make your bedroom and Master Chief can jump around? You know, art assets are expensive. You have to put this stuff through uh, a a probably a greater level of testing. There's there's just a, you know probably a lot of little bits and pieces to just rolling out a map that makes it a little bit more complicated than it was when you were just like throwing it up on your fucking unreal tournament server. But I, I, that would be how I would solve that problem. And, and if the game loses money along the way, I think you have to do it because you have to, you have to secure the halo franchise. You have to secure the brand. You have to get some solid ground under this game. Um, to keep people there. And, and for me, that's maps. I don't, and maybe I'm off base there and people are like, no, I need the cosmetics sooner, which I, or or maybe people are like, Hey, I, if this game doesn't have split screen co-op, then it's a, you know, it's a non-starter. I'm sure there are some people in that boat. I look at that the way I always have, which is that split screen gaming is fucking dead. Get over it. Um, I, I just like, especially in a game like this, like play this game online. It's fine. Like, I, I the, the, there's no part of me that is like mourning the idea of, you know, having to split screen to play a, a campaign mode that I, you know, especially one that I already finished because it didn't launch with any of this stuff. Like, we're, we've already. The bed has been shit. Like, wash the sheets and, and, and do what you can from here, you know? Like, like the, the, the campaign co op sort of stuff is like, you know, fuck it. Like, if you want to, you know, you just, it, it's, it's, it's just a, for me. It's a it's a full on lack of content, and to me, the type of content because they're they're standalone multiplayer maps, right? You know, like the, this stuff isn't necessarily have to be integrated into a full campaign, or you know, so you can have different styles and different looks, and you can have you know people supervise and make sure that the these external map creators are not going too far off brand. I don't know. I'm sure it's, I'm sure that it's way more complicated than that. I, I don't mean to like fucking sit here and say, it's easy. Just make maps. But at the same time, the thing this game needs is maps. The thing this game needs is more variety. The thing that would keep me coming back to this game is if I didn't already feel like I had burned out on all of the maps in the game. And so that would keep me coming back. That would keep me looking at the store and going like, oh, cat ears, huh? I don't want cat ears, but maybe tomorrow they'll have cool headphones. You know, like I've, I have spent money on Halo cosmetics. I would, I'm not opposed to buying more fucking sick Spartan looks out of their store, you know, on top of whatever the, the battle pass stuff is, but it's, I just look at it as like, man, I just, just needs more maps just needs i i want to be able to hit the button that says let's go play some some slayer and i want to be surprised by what i find on the other end of that map wise you know as opposed to the same three or four maps that are in that hopper or wh- whatever it is you know it just it doesn't feel like enough content um and so i i would you know like i, I all this stuff listed on their roadmap it just says, okay, so November, which is not that far off, I will grant you, they will have two, ma- two maps in the, the winter release, which maybe doesn't come right on November 8th, but they're saying that this winter update lasts from November 8th to March 7th. Basically, the time frame right up until Season 3 starts. So we'll see if these two new maps debut right at the same time or if they get staggered or, or something like that. And then in that March window, it just says new maps for both, for both modes. It doesn't say how many, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, maybe that's the plan. Maybe when they did go out and, and get, um, other people working on the game, maybe this is just how long it takes to get those maps out. And maybe we will start to see maps coming at a a greater clip. But to me, that's the thing that fixes that game. You know, that's the thing that gets me to. Remember, it exists. That's the thing that gets me to keep coming back to it is a steady flow of new maps that all stay in rotation. Don't filter some out because it's like, oh, well, okay, this one's like the old maps become become a lot better when you're seeing them once every 10 matches instead of once every two or three. Right. So. Maps. Maps. Fucking.
1: Map. Maps. That's what that game needs.
0: All right. Let me take our final break of the show here, uh, our final ad break, and then we will come back and talk about uh, some more of this uh, Activision Xbox merger, all this cyberpunk stuff they announced this morning. You know, things are out there happening. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, people. Are limp dicks leading to a little summertime sadness around the house Lana Del Rey 2012 true classic do you need a little more confidence in the bedroom in the sack if you will when it comes to maintaining that rock hard erection that you need to perform that you need to succeed that you need for for I mean for fucking for fucking really we're we're talking about uh having sex And getting it done properly with a with authority, as they say, that is where Blue Chew comes in. If you don't have that, if you're just not having that confidence, if it's not doing, you know, if if you look, if your penis is not doing the thing that you think that your penis should be doing when it is time for your penis to do what it does, maybe Blue Chew is for you. Maybe Blue Chew can save. Your summer, huh? This is where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night. So that way you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. With I can't. They, they They write arises in here and they don't. There's no like wink and nod in the, in what they provide, but I see the word arise and I go, <laughs> yeah, arises. I hear you. I I'm with you. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, you mean erect. No, no, That's yeah. Rock hard throbbing, but you ve- veiny. The process is simple. Sign up at blue consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part. All of this is done online. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue juice tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. So that's going to show up, and you're just going to have that. You're just going to have that on you. That's your little That's your little back pocket play, your front pocket play, even. You know, it's, uh, it's ready when you need it. Uh, and if you don't need it, great. You got more for later in case you do need it. You know what I mean? It's there as a a little uh, reliable little backup saying like, hey, man, you got this. But if you don't got this, Blue Chew can help you get this. You know what I'm saying? So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal right here. Try Blue Chew for free. When you use the promo code Jeff at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code Jeff, to receive your first month for free visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information and we thank blue chew for sponsoring the podcast.
1: All right, we're back with more news. Uh
0: the United Kingdom, you heard of these guys? Whew. Brexit, all right? No, uh, the the United Kingdom has stepped in and 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 issued some concern at the ongoing uh plans to merge Activision into Microsoft, into Xbox. Uh, This comes from uh, Video Games Chronicle. The UK's Competition and Markets Authority uh, has basically issued a a big old summary about their concerns and some of their potential issues and the, the impact that the deal could have on Sony's ability to compete in the field, which strikes me as strange. This has led to... A variety of comments, uh, both from from Phil Spencer. There was a you know this this has kind of gotten you you hadn't you haven't really seen a lot of Phil Spencer out there lately, and you you know suddenly kind of post Gamescom around Gamescom, you maybe saw him showing up on Bloomberg, showing up you know like they they issued a a press release. Um, it was basically just like a note from him that was like, "Hey, here's how we think this Activision okay. thing is going to work out." Uh, and why it is not that big of a deal? They had to do some of this stuff uh, for the uh, similar authorities in Brazil, and the the news aspect of this is kind of um a little thin because you know basically like the the new news here is is confirmation that uh, that they intend to bring Activision's games to Game Pass, which yeah. Of course, they're going to do this. This was the, I think they they basically indicated this all along, but didn't really come out and say it until they were like, oh yeah, yeah, Call of Duty, we want to put it on Game Pass, like all these other games we want to put on Game Pass, but also we have signed an additional deal with Sony ongoing uh, past the existing deal to say, yes, we will put out. Uh, Call of Duty on their platform for years to come. And the, the statement is really just them saying like, hey, look at what we did with Minecraft. You know, hey, even after we bought Minecraft, we still kept putting it out on non-Xbox platforms. We still kept updating it on the platforms that it had been on before. Like, you know, basically saying, hey, we don't intend to take any of these things away. Um, and it's a really weird you know, the, there was the bit from this is from early August that uh, when, when Sony had to file similar stuff in, in Brazil, some of their uh, responses, uh, this is again um, from Video Games Chronicle, some of their responses to the regulators in Brazil were basically saying, hey, uh, Call of Duty is a franchise that can influence users' console choice, and that Call of Duty is an essential game uh, that has no rival. Uh, and so, you know, it's going to be in Sony's best interest to continue to play up just how important Call of Duty is to them uh, and and how important it is to the industry because, you know, they're going to want to throw monkey wrenches into these deals and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so the, the quote from them on this that they gave to Brazil was, according to a 2019 study, the importance of Call of Duty to entertainment in general is indescribable. The brand was the only video game IP to break into the top 10 of all entertainment brands among fans, joining powerhouses such as Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, and Lord of the Rings. Call of Duty is so popular that it influences users' choice of console, and its community of loyal users is entrenched enough that even if a competitor had the budget to develop a similar product, it would not be able to rival it.
1: Um, And so...
0: I, yeah, I I guess. <laughs> yeah, um yeah, so you know, then later in August kind of Microsoft refuted uh those claims and said like, you know, th- these claims are are not things you can justify. But also uh they're saying that Sony's claim is incorrect because it's not part of Microsoft's strategy to remove content from players. Call of Duty will still be on PlayStation as a paid title. Um and and also that adding it to a Game Pass-like service would not necessarily hamper that because they say data shows that players see subscription services as only one way to pay for games. Um, And then also go on to say that, hey, Sony has its own subscription service too. What the fuck are you talking about? Uh, And that there are numerous other game distribution channels and subscription services, many of which include content that isn't available on Xbox. So basically trying to say like, hey, there's a healthy marketplace out there... Uh for games, like we don't have the only game in town when it comes to subscription services and, and all of that sort of stuff. And so it's this weird thing where Microsoft is going to pay a fuckload of money to try to acquire Call of Duty while also saying eh, it's not the it's not the biggest I mean it's it's yeah, like yeah it's big. But it's not like it's I mean, it's not you know, it's not it's not it's not that you know, it's not like world dominatingly big, which I actually completely fucking agree with, because we're talking about Call of Duty, not Fortnite, not uh you know the way PUBG has at times been seen worldwide. Um, Call of Duty is certainly a big franchise on consoles and all that sort of stuff, right? I mean, it's, it's one of the biggest going, even in its down years. It is still one of the biggest things going, but it ain't fucking Minecraft. It ain't fucking Roblox. Like, it, you know, it, it's... it's There's... Call of Duty has lost a step. If it hadn't, then we wouldn't be having these conversations at all because I don't think that... I think Activision would have found another way out of its weird fucking Bobby Kodak shaped problems if uh, Call of Duty was still a fucking massive fucking banger. Um, and so... Basically, the new news is is that, uh, yes, they intend to bring Activision's franchises to Game Pass. And then the other part of that is that they have reached an agreement with Sony past the, you know, there was the story saying, like, oh, are the next three Call of Duties, meaning Modern Warfare 2 and the Warzone reboot, and then whatever's next, presumably a Black Ops, whatever it is, um, those will all be on PlayStation. And I believe the the thing here is they have gone and said, no, we've extended that deal. Um, because why leave money on the table? And, and, you know, this is really funny for me in the context of the history of Call of Duty's marketing agreements, because remember through the Xbox 360 era, um, they had that co-marketing deal with Call of Duty. And so DLC premiered first on the Xbox and then later came to PlayStation three. And so it led to a situation where PlayStation three was not the dominant console for, Call of Duty products um, for a multitude of reasons. Like the co-marketing agreement certainly helped, but also I just think that the Xbox brand and, you know, in some ways it feels like that they're trying to do things to combat this over the years. Right. Um, with the the types of games they're publishing with the way game pass works, but like the Xbox brand became the fucking full on shooter bro brand this is where you go to play the shooters. This is where you go to play. They've got Halo and they've got Call of Duty. And and that it the Xbox brand just became synonymous with that sort of stuff and um Sony would eventually start to bid um for that when when the PlayStation 4 came out that ended up flipping and eventually DLC became, you know, something that you don't pay for. And those maps just come out and they, they try to monetize in different ways. But on PlayStation four, you started seeing Sony get that co-marketing deal. And suddenly Sony was the brand getting the, the best call of duty stuff first, you know, and they did that VR thing for infinite warfare and, you know, little, little bits and pieces. And there was a little bit of snippy back and forth there where um microsoft tried to downplay it and they're like yeah i mean call of duty yeah that used to be a big deal you know i guess if sony wants it they can fucking take it Mm, whatever um we know how expensive that was and mm, maybe not worth it maybe not a good spend for them and my understanding is that it was not as expensive as they thought it was going to be because call of duty had lost a step you know probably like the 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 aspect of Call of Duty, you know, like, like as, as like the dominant video game, like it just it, it wasn't that anymore. And so Sony ended up paying some amount of money for this uh, exclusive co-marketing, exclusive early content, blah, blah, blah. Like where they got like they got one mode early, right? For modern for the last Modern Warfare. Or was there one mode that was exclusive? I forget what even some kind of survival multiplayer mode. It was just fucking whatever, you know, it wasn't even, it was not that big of a deal. Um, but Sony became the kind of dominant platform for, for, for them on the co-marketing side. But you still had entrenched players that were Xbox players that did not make the jump. And so the Xbox was still competitive in Call of Duty. So my understanding, and we, we could have to, we would have to go back and try to unearth some NPDs on this to know for sure. But the story I remember at the time was that Sony paid some amount of money to get the co-marketing deal for Call of Duty, but Xbox was still outselling them uh, on Call of Duty for quite a while there because Xbox fans had joined the Xbox brand to Call of Duty already. So even when Sony had the stuff early, it wasn't really that big of a benefit because it was just Call of Duty. At the end of the day, eh, it's just Call of Duty. And so, I don't know th- this this whole watching watching these publishers now after that after that stuff transpired, uh, where where Sony was was leading the leading platform for Call of Duty for a generation there, and now watching them try to play it up like, well, this is the biggest thing in the world, and then having Microsoft go like, eh, well, you know, we'll we're going to put it everywhere because that's how we make the most money. And and of course, you know, of course they make more money by putting call of duty on PlayStation than they do saying you have to buy an Xbox. If you want to continue playing call of duty, um, because those consoles are expensive and you'll have players that won't make that jump. And so it's in their best interest to continue to support the PlayStation, uh, with call of duty as call of duty has been for years. I mean, you know, you want to talk about second class citizenship for call for call of duty like the the Xbox 360 era like those PS3 ports those PS3 versions of Call of Duty games always felt incredibly off to me like just enough like not enough to like if you weren't if you didn't have the comparison point you'd be like ah it's fine but it just never seemed right on PlayStation 3 That probably has a lot to do with the PlayStation 3's controller to be honest uh, more than anything else but yeah i mean yeah that game was coming out on the freaking Wii and all this other stuff so you know I just, I don't think that this is going to hold up, and and I I, I don't think that the the specific Call of Duty argument around this is going to dictate who's going to buy what is going to sway any of these regulatory bodies, because I, I just, I don't think that these arguments actually really hold water when you really look at them closely, you know, because... You know, Call of Duty is going to be, there's going to be a separate game coming out for mobile. There's going to be, you know, Call of Duty is is by definition everywhere. And it don't, that business only works if they can sell it to as many people as possible. I mean, you know, Activision finally fucking felt the heat here this year. And they're going to put Modern Warfare on Steam. Modern Warfare 2, rather. They're going to put that game on Steam when it launches this year. Presumably because fucking limiting their games to Battle.net and forcing people to go install Battle.net like is not a winning play for that specific franchise. So this seems like their attempt to try to put that game where more players are and put it on Steam at the expense of the 30% cut that they have to give up to Valve as opposed to just selling it on Battle.net or, or, or whatever, you know, and, and so that's, you know, that that seems like the thing that led EA back to Steam after those years of not being there. One would presume that Ubisoft will eventually go, ah, shit, fine, fine. We'll keep our thing up and running, but, and we would strongly prefer if you went to Ubisoft Connect and, uh, and bought those games directly from us. But, you know, they're already selling them on the Epic store. Actually, maybe that's the thing that's, maybe that's the larger thing that is keeping the UB games off of Steam is that they probably are getting a buttload of money from Epic to not put put them there. So, so yeah, I, I, I just, I, this, as as someone who has been looking at, at this business for a very long time, even though I am not necessarily a business reporter per se, um, when you look at the way Call of Duty has been treated and the way that the marketing agreements have gone back and forth, and you look at Call of Duty's maybe more more current place in the landscape, I know the sales story tells a very strong story, but I think when you think about the other games on the market, the other games that people are playing instead of Call of Duty, like the biggest threat of Call of Duty is not... A platform limitation, it's it's probably still Fortnite. It's probably still, you know, like, kids are not getting into Call of Duty the way they used to because they're playing other stuff uh, and that is the larger threat of that franchise. That, that's the thing that eventually kills that franchise is is Apex Legends, is, you know, is, is, is Fortnite, is, you know, even, even PUBG. Rumbleverse, I don't know. No. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess, like, in, in that context, like, I don't see... I just don't see any of this stuff holding any real water. You know, Sony's going to say what they're going to say because they they feel the you know they have to. You know, this is this is how <laughs> this is how business is done, right? They're going to be like, hey, this is a big deal. But also, you know, if if you know if, if Xbox wanted to come back around and say, well, wait a minute, you just bought Bungie. They make a very big first person shooter as well, and have a huge history in this space as well. So. You know, not that you would necessarily compare. Like, I think anyone who was deep into video games would look at Destiny Two and Call of Duty and say these are two very different things. But in terms of checking boxes of like, it's got some story stuff and it's got some progression and it's got competitive multiplayer. Yes, they both have that. Like, Sony has its own product in the marketplace now because they bought Bungie, so they already have their own game. Um, Which that to me would be enough to if you. I think if you waived that sort of information in front of a regulator in this case, they would go, oh yeah, I guess, I guess there are a billion other games out here. Like yes, Call of Duty is a big deal, but like it's, there's no, there's no, you know, like I, 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 don't, I don't, Microsoft is not getting a monopoly on the fucking first person shooter. There are a fucking trillion of them out there. You know, there's, yeah, people are just going to grow up playing Valorant now
1: anyway. Like Call of
0: Duty. I, I was going to say Call of Duty is a legacy product, and I, you know, I, I'm thinking that through now. And yeah, you know, Call of Duty are, are the kids into Call of Duty, or is Call of Duty an old man's game now? Right, like Call of Duty is not the hot fucking thing. Like it, it, it does, and I don't mean to say it doesn't do well. It sells fucking incredibly well. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to. The next one. I hope, it's, I hope it's fucking good. But they're building on a formula that got kind of locked down in 2007. And they've been shuffling player perks around and maps ever since. You know? Like it hasn't... Like has it gotten better? Yes. Has it gotten worse? Sure. Some years. But at the end of the day, it is something that is very much built on this legacy of... Of, of 2007. And it still tops sales charts, but that's, I think, also a weird point of comparison because you're going to go look at NPDs and the NPD numbers are going to favor things that are sold in a box and things that are sold physically as well as digitally and things that are annual products as opposed to ongoing live service games that people are just downloading and playing like a Fortnite like, Fortnite is not something that's going to meaningfully show up on the NPDs month in, month out, right? Because it's a weird, different kind of product. The same way, like, Warzone is going to get split out a little bit smarter this time into its own thing. And, you know, you will see Modern Warfare 2 show up on a list, but will will the next Warzone show up on that sales list? I don't know. Do they Do they tabulate... Uh, cosmetic sales for, for free to play games on that list? I, I, I don't think they do. I don't know. I have not checked. I know that the NPDs at one point felt incredibly, uh, antiquated. And I know that they tried to adjust and try to catch up. And some, you know, so, but you always see situations where it's like, yeah, we have the Nintendo numbers, but it doesn't include their digital sales because they won't give them to us. So I was like, okay, well, this isn't even a full fucking sales picture. So what are we really looking at here? Um, so i I don't know whatever i i long story short i just I just don't think that um i I don't think that these arguments necessarily hold water and I, I don't think the regulators are gonna like step in and, and stop this stuff, especially because it seems like Microsoft is willing to make a lot of concessions around things and make sure that they are incredibly clear about like yes, we are going to continue putting these games out on these platforms um and doing what they need to do to make sure the deals go through i don't I don't think that they're gonna Walk away from it. And, and also, again, I just don't think that any of the anti-competitive stuff, uh, as a non-expert in that field, nothing about this, this merger, nothing about this purchase of, of Activision strikes me as something that makes them a monopoly in any way. It certainly gives them a handful of very big franchises in their portfolio, you know, from... Call of Duty to Diablo and, you know, World of Warcraft, 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 Starcraft, you know, big, formerly big, whatever you want to call it. Like it, it gives them, uh, access to those games, but like Diablo isn't even Diablo anymore. Right. Now uh, maybe Diablo Immortal is, but you know, whatever path of exile is out there <laughs> making that money now. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't strike me as, as anything that, It doesn't strike me as anything that's going to take anything away from anyone and the things that it may take away. I don't think, you know, other publishers will be ready to step up and fill those gaps on non Xbox platforms. If that ends up being the case, you know, all of those games are are competed with quite well. I think across the board, even if Call of Duty is is this like dominant sales story, I think other games where you shoot things with guns are a much bigger deal than Call of Duty these days. Um
1: Hey, remember cyberpunk. The genre.
0: You remember, remember William Gibson? Remember that guy? Remember Punchin Deck? Cowboy? Remember... Remember Neuromancer? the book? The game. Remember Neuromancer, the game for Commodore 64? Remember it had that Devo song in it that would play at the top of the hour? Huh Man. What a great game. Anyway, there's another game called Cyberpunk 2077 that, uh, is getting an expansion. They announced this this morning. Uh, they gave some, some updates. I actually, I have the email here in my inbox, uh, that, uh, there's a patch and there is also an upcoming piece of DLC. The DLC will ship sometime in 2023 and it is called Phantom Liberty. They put out a teaser trailer. That makes it sound like you as the character V once again will be working for the United States government which to me just sounds like some fucking repurposed Fallout DLC to me uh, but anyway it's a very short teaser uh, it is scheduled to release in 2023 on PlayStation 5, PC Xbox Series X and S and Stadia <laughs>
1: Stadia Stadia
0: (laughs) you just sorry I can't um I don't know if this means that the DLC is not coming to the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One uh maybe that is exactly what that means but that is the those that is the list of platforms that they put uh onto this announcement They also had a message from Keanu Reeves as part of their uh, trailer presentation, um, wherein he said he would be a part of this DLC as the character Johnny Silverhand. Okay, it sounds like they did confirm that it was not coming to last generation platforms, which... uh, Yeah, okay. It would be, uh, I mean, I feel like it would be a bummer for like a dozen different reasons at this point, but this is one more reason... Why, if you um have not upgraded to a new console at this point, if you're still playing on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, and you somehow bought Cyberpunk, that you're like, fuck, okay, well, fuck me, I guess. But how many of those people are there? Maybe we've reached a point where... there're not enough of those people to matter i guess i don't know but yeah i guess the the last uh the last update they put out for the game the last set of patches and it will be the end is the end of support for those previous gen versions of the game um so yeah not a ton of details on the the phantom liberty dlc other than uh a new cast of characters will be introduced And V will come into contact with them in a new location within Night City. So that sounds like, again, like, this is how I kind of figured they would do DLC, is that whole thing of, um, oh, there's this area here that you're gonna, you know, you're gonna go into this other totally different area, and now you are going to engage with this storyline that is a separate thing, separate from the other world and all of this other stuff. Um... I see the question in the chat over here. Does this take place after the story or during the story? I'm going to say, based on the way that that story can end, that it is definitely going to have to take place during the story. uh, For it to...
1: For it to work. Um,
0: Let's see. Also, uh, a new patch. Version 1.6. ...is hitting. In fact, it sounds like it is out right now. I got a, a, an, another email from them... ...moments ago... ...um... ...saying that this update is now available. This will add... this. ...I've lost track of what the patches... ...for Cyberpunk have been doing. I have not followed... ...this stuff super closely. As someone who played it at launch... Um, it introduces equipable items from the anime into the game. Players will have the chance to dom the jacket worn by David Martinez, the anime's protagonist, and wield a shotgun used by another character from the show. There will also be a clothing transmog system cross-platform progression, which is, I, that you know, as someone who would not mind unlocking a bunch of PlayStation and trophies and Xbox achievements for free, I could certainly take my PC save and uh, load it up over there once and see what happens. Playable roach race, mini game, arcade cabinets and more. And I'm sorry, and much more. Then let's see, we have, um, and then they sent out a second press release specifically about this update saying that the edge runners update for cyberpunk is now available. Uh, bringing new features and tie-ins to the upcoming anime cyberpunk edge runners, Uh, let's see here that the edge runners anime does not debut until the 13th of this month. So that's not even out yet. So I don't even know who David Martinez is. And apparently no one does. The highly community requested transmog system or wardrobe is now accessible from any of V's apartments and safe houses. Players will have the ability to save up to six outfits that can be viewed and selected from the inventory. Alongside this comes a cross platform progression function, meaning saves can be uploaded to the cloud and seamlessly continued on a different platform. That's cool if you fucked up and started your game on the wrong platform and you're like, boy, this console version of the game is still shitty. <laughs> um, you know, maybe uh, maybe that's a way out. I don't know. Uh, with this update also comes the ability to play Roach Race at any of the arcade cabinets throughout Night City. This minigame stars the beloved figure of Roach as she gallops Oh, Roach. Right. The horse. As she gallops, jumps, and glitches through locations. <laughs> From the Witcher series of games and an endlessly scrolling 2BD platformer, high scorers can expect prizes in the form of Euro dollars and items. And those of you who wish to play outside of Cyberpunk 2077 can also download Roach Race for free on iOS and Android, allowing players across the globe to compete in online leaderboards. Another animal receiving a bigger role thanks to the Edge Runners update is Nibbles the Cat, whom players have already had the chance to meet and even adopt. The fuck am I reading? With this update, Nibbles is now available to pose in photo mode. <laughs> sure. Apart from these features, there are also additional weapons, quests, and new secrets to uncover in Night City.
1: Um, okay. I don't... Um.
0: I, I have been toying with the idea of going back and playing Cyberpunk, uh, but... I have not really messed with it since the game originally shipped and I finished that game right around the time it, you know, I, I was playing that game pre-release and then I um, finished that game on its like launch patch. And so like, Hey, the game's better now is completely lost on me because I already finished that story and it did not leave me in a situation where I'm like, I want to go spend a lot more time in this world. Like by the time I finished it, I was done with Cyberpunk, and um, so like all of these patches that are adding things to this like, like relatively straightforward single player game is just like, yeah, all right, you, this is too, this is too late for this, you know. Uh, How many players out there have finished... I mean, we could go look at trophy stats, I guess, and figure it out. But, you know, what average percentage of players have already finished that game and how many of them are going to... You know, maybe when the DLC comes about, that'll bring people back when that comes out next year. Um, But all of these ongoing patches for the game have not... have not helped me, a person who finished the game, when it first came out. And even their first patch took a long time that I think even if I had not started that game until the day it launched for reels. I would have finished it well before they fixed it up. I remember getting to the end of that game and like a lot of games, I will, I will do my best to not spoil the specifics of the end of that game, but like a lot of games of its ilk, you make a choice at the end of that game, uh, about what you, the, what you want the state of the world to be to a certain extent, you know? um, and that aspect of the game was completely broken where like, I couldn't figure out, like I thought I was choosing one choice and it gave me the other one. And so it just wasn't clear what, what, what choice am I actually making here? I'm walking through this. So I ended up just reloading and reloading and doing all three of the, you know, I was it was the three, I, maybe it was only two. I don't remember, but the, the choice that you get to make the, the, the things you get to do at the end of that game, um, with regards to the nature of your character i guess i will say maybe that is the end of what i will say specifically about it uh did not feel good and also were broken <laughs> when i tried to do it and so it was this like real slap in the face of like hey you suffered through dozens of hours of fucking weird bugs um let's call it two dozen hours maybe three dozen hours i don't remember exactly how long it took me I guess I could load up a gog and find out. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, what do you get from it? You get an ending that is also funky and unsatisfying and like, doesn't feel like the thing that you wanted. It doesn't feel like the thing, the thing that they tell you the ending is the, the, the choice is representing felt like it gave me the exact opposite. Like it was just like broken or something. I don't know. Anyway. um, it's uh That game was so incredibly rough. And I guess there were you know there's a high profile departure. I I don't have that in front of me, but you know, someone left the studio. I believe the producer, creative director, some someone high up on the project bounced. Um as well. You know, but you know. Yeah, I it just feels like such a major misstep for CD Project Red. I don't know if they've We'd have to go look at stock prices or something, right, to see if they fully recovered from it. But, um, you know, it's good that they're still supporting it. Um, I'm sure, you know, there are definitely players who enjoyed what they played that would want to play more DLC and stuff like that. The teaser, this little blurb that they put out alongside it about Phantom Liberty doesn't necessarily make me think, oh man, I've got to get back into Night City and see what's going on. Because there are side quests I didn't finish in that game. You know, there's still more stuff I could go back and do. Um, But I don't know. That doesn't really grab me. So, you know, obviously that game sold quite well. Uh, Millions and millions of copies are out there for a variety of platforms. And Stadia, even. Stadia? Have you heard of this thing? Cloud gaming? Um and it it'll be interesting to see how well the dlc does i don't you know i assume they'll have to announce those sales numbers at some point like how many people are still checking for cyberpunk how many people are still like hey i can't wait to get back into this thing once there's new content to justify it like um i don't know it feels like this did a a ton of harm to their reputation and you know the the game itself became a bit of a laughing stock there i know that they kind of stayed the course and the game is in much much better shape than it was um, you know, like a couple of years ago now, but like I said, you know, for, for me, the damage is done because I finished that storyline back when that game was busted. And so it kind of doesn't matter how much they fix it, uh, because I already know how that story ends and, you know, you can't, you cannot unring the bell. I don't know. That, that seemed like the right thing to say there. Anyway, Konami, you heard of these guys? Uh, they, are the Castlevania people? They made um, Bomber. You know, they they uh, they own the IP to Bomberman nowadays. They do not make Bomberman, but uh, they uh, the Health Club folks. You know, like Gold's Gym, Planet Fitness, Konami. You know the 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 health industry. Well, Konami is getting into video games, apparently. And this is a minor. This is a a pretty minor thing. Um, But this is uh, something that uh, Jordan Miller is reporting over at Video Games Chronicle. Konami has renewed the trademark to Suikoden. Everyone's favorite 108-character RPG franchise, which has not seen an entry since 2006, which is actually much newer than I thought. Uh, I, was a, I was a big fan of uh, Suikoden 1 and 2 um and then at some point i just i i grew up and stopped having time for console rpgs i guess is is the is the way i would put that anyway they um they made a filing back in june that uh, finally someone uncovered last week um and can I, this this is happening kind of in conjunction with konami saying that they plan to announce a new game related to a classic series during Tokyo game show, which is coming up here pretty soon. Um, and also the voice actor for, uh, Joey, Joey, Joey. So, and so we get into, and, uh, so we get in tear Christ. I don't realize I've never said that word out loud before. I've seen, the, I've seen the word, I've seen the, the game name before, but tear Christ, tear Christ, tear Chris, What are going to go with tear Christ. Uh, Yuji Kaji will be uh, there to kind of represent the series at TGS, and so people are starting to put all this together and say, "Hey, wait a minute—is there going to be some kind of new Suikoden so project?" Uh, they had VGC had had a source saying that there is some kind of smaller project um, in the works. It's not necessarily like a big full-on hey, we got a brand new in, It's massive. It doesn't sound like it's anything like that, but that they are maybe planning on doing something uh, with that franchise again, which is pretty cool. I, You know, again, like I, it's one of those franchises that I think people remember fondly, but in the grand kind of mainstream sense, really fell by the wayside and doesn't really get remembered. Uh, you know, hey, it ain't no Final Fantasy. How about that? Like, what am I really trying to say? It's not big like Final Fantasy is big. Um, There were just so many games in that PS1 era when there were so many role-playing games coming out uh, alongside those Final Fantasy games, and, you know, Suikoden was one of them, and uh, it was one of the ones that really stood out. Suikoden and Persona, honestly, were, those were the franchises coming out of the PS1 that I was like, man, these are the role-playing games I care about, um... Show me some more Persona 1. And and Suikoden was cool as well. But, you know, they kind of... Well, whatever. They still make new Persona games, but Suikoden obviously kind of fell by the wayside. Um, And so we'll see. I don't know. This this, this is potentially interesting to me as someone who um, liked those original games, but also, like, I, I don't know that I'm necessarily looking to... If I wanted to replay those original games, there's already ways to do that. So if this ends up being some kind of collection like that's cool, you know, get that name back out there and and see where it goes, but you know there are a lot of ways to play those games. Now, if you wanted to do that. Still, I thought it was pretty awesome that they that there's at least some discussion about maybe something happening around that franchise. That's one of those ones that that doesn't doesn't get nearly enough attention, I think. Um Xbox Game Pass Friends and Family is the official name for the Xbox Game Pass Family plan. You remember a few weeks back we talked about this being in some sort of testing to Xbox insiders in those territories. They have uh, rolled it out officially but still only in those territories. So if you're in Ireland or Colombia, you uh, you can you can have a an Xbox Game Pass Family plan. And this basically allows you to... One person can pay one price... For an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscription... And then share it with up to four other players. Those players need to live in the same country... So you can't... You know... You can't just make a friend in Ireland... And have them hook you up. I mean... Unless you wanted to go make an Irish... Xbox Live account... Or something like that. Um, You know... Maybe maybe that would work. But... Generally speaking... You know... You're not going to be able to do that. Um... And those players will get the full benefits uh, of the the thing. It's not like oh, someone's playing that game already, and now you can't because someone else on your plan already is. Blah blah blah. You can play online multiplayer with those people. All that sort of stuff. So it is kind of a true uh, a true family plan. This is uh, let's see here in euros. Uh, the in Ireland it is twenty one ninety nine a month, and for some context, there, if you don't know what those numbers mean, a month of Game Pass Ultimate is twelve ninety nine there in in euros. And so, uh, Video Games Chronicle has done some of the math there and says that that basically amounts roughly to twenty four ninety nine in American dollars, as opposed to fourteen ninety nine for you know the current price of, of Game Pass Ultimate, and. That's um, that's that. So, yeah, I don't know that that seems like a, a good way to maybe save some money. I know Nintendo has its family plan and, you know, there, there are a lot of different weird little family plans out there like Apple has theirs. I'm in a family with I'm in a family with my wife, he said. That's a sentence. Um, and I could add more people to my Apple family and they could get access to I think they would get Apple Arcade. I don't know. I need to cancel Apple Arcade. There's a Tom Hanks Apple Arcade trivia game. So I need to try that. Um and see and see what that's that's all about. Uh and Yeah, I don't know, for the for the right people, you know, I I, I never want to This always seems like if you're the sort of person that wants to track down money from your friends and go like, "Hey, I'm going to do the family plan." And, um, you need to give me, you know, five bucks a month or, you know, hey, pay me, you know, you give me 60 bucks and I'll put you in my circle or whatever. Um, you know, it seems like you'll be able to do that. I mean, and they are even billing it as Xbox game pass friends and family. So I, I feel like all those family plans, they try to be like, you gotta be in the same house, you know, for, for some of this shit, or like YouTube TV, for example, as someone who has to, um turn on some VPNs and turn on some uh some different uh location tracking blocking stuff uh in in browser to keep YouTube TV working even though I moved to a different market than uh the the owner of the the family plan that I'm in um <clears throat> but yeah I don't know this, this the the way that sharing stuff works uh that that always makes a ton of sense for people who have time to to like build the to build the circle and then and then charge the circle and say hey if you want to be part of my circle you got to pay me some money or something and it's just like that I'm never going to want to do that <laughs> so uh but that seems like a good way to get some savings uh video games chronicle notes that if you were to get a full five players in that group and distribute the money evenly that would be $5 a month for everyone so so if you wanted to run that family plan and then go harass four friends for five bucks a month every month or, you know, get it annually. However you end up doing it, you can or, or you, you can in Ireland or Colombia right now. We'll see if that rolls out worldwide. I assume that if it's something that they're now confirming is a real service in those territories where they did test it, that maybe this is something they end up do rolling out worldwide and all of that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Or yeah, maybe you're just a benevolent person and you pay for the full family plan and don't make any of your friends pay. You could do that. Maybe that makes sense if you're like, if you got some friends who are not really avid players and you just want to play multiplayer games with them, but they're unwilling to pay the cost. Then you go like, all right. All right, you dick. I'll pay. Come on. And our last video game news story here comes from Matt Booty of Xbox. He's the head of Xbox Game Studios. Uh and this is uh, this this story made the rounds uh over the past uh day or two here. Um this comes out of PAX West. PAX happened. Yesterday was the last day of PAX. Um It's crazy. I I I really want to go back to PAX. This was not the year. Um but I have a I have a, a client who uh, is itching to return is itching for a lot of reasons. Uh, he's he's got the coke bug, something fierce. But you know he really wants to go back to PAX and uh, and cause trouble. So, um, yeah, I I want to go back to PAX. This PAX doesn't seem like uh, necessarily one. that I missed a ton of stuff at uh. But anyway, anyway, whatever. Matt Booty was there uh speaking at a Q and A. And, uh, he, this is, you know, he's kind of getting clowned for this and like, I get it, uh, but basically he says that he's asked the AI researchers at Microsoft, uh, a couple of times here to try to come up with AI that could, uh, basically test video games that could work a QA job, more or less automated testing is what you would refer to it as. Um, and so they, they've they pulled a few of some quotes out of here. You think about a game. One of the biggest differences between a game and something like a movie is if we're working on a movie, you come in and say, hey, this ending, let's tighten this up. Let's edit this. Let's cut that. It usually doesn't break anything at the beginning of the movie. But in a game, you can be ready to ship. And a designer's like, I've got this one little feature. I'm just going to change the color on this one thing. And then it somehow blows up something. And now the first 10 minutes of the game doesn't play. So that testing aspect, every time anything new goes into the big game, the whole game has to be tested front to back, side to side. My dream There's a lot going on with AI and machine learning right now, and people using AI to generate all these images. What I always say when I bump into the AI AI folks is, help me figure out how to use an AI bot to go test a game, because I would love to be able to start up 10,000 instances of a game in the cloud, so there's 10,000 copies of the game running, deploy an AI bot to spend all night testing that game, then in the morning we get a report, because that would be transformational.
1: Um, this is a, you know,
0: okay, (sighs) where to begin with this? Yes, this is something that probably should happen to a certain extent, but also at a time when QA is trying to unionize and QA is being treated like fucking dirt across this business. I think getting in front of a room full of people and being like, I would love to have AI do that job is not a fucking great look. Um, but also, I don't think the problem with games lies in QA. Every QA tester knows where the bugs are because they found them and they reported them. And they didn't get fucking fixed in time. And so the game shipped broken... Even though QA found the problem. So yeah... You can totally have fucking... like If you want to have bots finding fucking bugs... Yes! Absolutely go for it. You're going to need to have humans to verify all that shit anyway. So I don't think that... Running 10,000 copies of the game in the cloud... Is necessarily going to replace humans. I think it is something that will... Help the process... Because at the end of the day, the problem is too many fucking games are shipping fucking broken still. This is fucking ridiculous. So yeah, whatever resources you got, put more fucking people on the game to make sure that it fucking gets fixed. But the again, is the problem QA? Is that really the fucking problem? Like, I'm yes, testing games takes time, all that other, other sort of stuff. But how many decades, and Matt Booty has been in this industry a long fucking time, how many games, Mr. Booty, have you worked on where you waved bugs at the end of the process? Where you like, oh, these bugs came in. Yeah, too late to fix them. You worked at Midway. I know how broken those games were. Uh, but seriously, though, it, it's, you know, the problem is that you don't have time to fix the fucking bugs. Like, you're finding bugs and then fixing them late, and you're putting out your day one patch, and you're putting out this sort of stuff. If every bug that QA was finding was getting fixed all the fucking time, when they found them, before a game ships, then yeah, totally, yeah. If, if the problem was, man, these games are so big now, how can QA actually test them? Which, that's a fair assessment as well. That's a fair assessment as well. Like, yeah, yeah. These games are only getting bigger. It would be great to have a machine grind on this as well as human testing to try to help find and and reproduce some bugs. Sure. I'm sure more more resources in that department would be nice. And, you know, scaling up purely on the human level is probably only going to get you so far. So, sure. Yeah. You could have AI play some kind of role in this, I think. But... But at the end of the day, my understanding of the situation, and maybe things change because now we're, we have live games, we have all this other stuff, but like games still ship in a fucked up state. Will AI solve that problem? Because AI is not going to fix the bugs and QA is already finding bugs that are not getting fixed. So yeah, if you want to like have robots go find more bugs, sure, but you have to commit to fixing them. You have to commit to having people in place that can take those reports and act on them in a timely fashion and make sure that the game is actually getting fixed and patched and shipped in a shippable state. In an actually shippable state! So, I, you know. He's right for the wrong reasons, I guess, is what I, what I would say to that, maybe. I don't, no, no, that's not the... What is it? He's wrong for the right reason. No. Hmm. He's not wrong that that could potentially benefit games, but at the end of the day, um, you have to make sure you are committing to actually fixing the bugs. Finding them is only part of the fucking story here. And again, the number of QA testers, I think there's, there's probably QA testers in both of these chats. People that have, that have worked QA um, or are currently working QA
1: that have
0: filed tons and tons of bugs over the years that ended up sh- shipping in the final product. It it, it happens. I mean, I, I've had, you know, like, it, it, it's always fun to see, like, a QA tester go, hey, check this shit out, and then they go and do one really obscure thing, like, of the retail copy of a game, and just watch it fucking explode and go, huh, whoo um, So automated testing, you know, it, it's, it's not going to... It's not some magic bullet because like automated testing is something that like, and I don't know what, how this exists in the software. I know in in the software industry, there are, there's some form of automated testing and certainly in the website business, there are a lot of automated tests you can run as you are updating a site, as you are, as you are sending out updates to your web page, your database, whatever you want to call it. And, and automated testing can catch some. Some bugs and 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 some less than ideal conditions there. That that stuff exists today. Um, for for things like that, games obviously you know a, a much different situation than software than you know productivity software or something like that. And when it comes to click here, do this, type this into this field, try typing this into this field, you know, like the the possibility space of a video game is going to be much wider, and so an AI or, or whatever whatever your automated solution is, is going to have to just be able to do a lot more than, than some of the stuff that is used to make sure, Hey, is this, if we, if we fucking roll this out, is it going to crash the site? Is it going to crash the live site? when we hit go on this, let's run it through automated testing. Hey, we ran it through automated testing and it said yes. And then we rolled it out and it fucking broke anyway. Whoops. Because the automated testing can only catch so much. And so even that stuff's not great, but yeah, you know, Sure. You could put some AI to, to work this way, and I, and I think that, you know, that's, that's maybe not the, the worst idea in the world, but it doesn't replace humans, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't magically give the developers more time to fix the bugs. It doesn't magically give the developers the ability to, you know, the, the AI is not going to fix the bug. Like, it's just going to write up some very robotic bug report that then probably gets shipped to a person... And then you've got a QA guy that is QAing the AI, going like, "Yeah, okay, this is this is what the AI says the steps to reproduce are, but I, it doesn't fucking work. I don't know. It doesn't, it's not happening. So I don't. I'm I'm gonna wave the AI bug, and you know, I don't. Know. So we know there's a crash somewhere, and the robots can find it, but we can't duplicate it. You know, like it doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, it just seems like a very complicated mess. But at the end of the day, my understanding of the situation remains." That QA finds a, a ton of bugs that often don't get fixed in final retail products. And that's your problem. Not finding the bugs. Leaving them in there. So whether that's more developers on a project, maybe, you know, I, I, I don't know what this is. Because obviously you can't just throw humans at the situation and say, all right, now we've got 50 coders who can fix all these bugs, you know, because they're all going to own different systems. Are, you know, shit takes time. Um, shit takes time. Shit takes human ingenuity to fix some of these bugs, right? So it's not something you can always just throw money at. Uh, but yeah, this is, it's just an, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, I, I look at this as like, this is a really bad time for him to come out and, and say this at a time when literally, I mean, you know, these are Activision studios, studios that, that you know, the Xbox team is going to control at some point in the relatively near future that are out here trying to unionize and trying to do all this stuff to be out there being like, man, I'd love to have robots. It's just a shitty look, even if, you know, but also I think it really undersells what the actual problem is when it comes to games, not shipping clean. Um, so, yeah, I,
1: I don't. It just seems. A, a, a bad look all around. Um, that's it for video game news. I guess we're going to talk about people.
0: People want to talk about wrestling. I feel like I got most of my wrestling views out on the discord, uh, wrestling channel over the last, you know, 36 hours or, or whatever it was. And so I don't. Okay, let's see here. There was a lot of wrestling over the weekend. Um, a lot of wrestling and I barely remember any of it. The AEW pay-per-view is kind of the main focus here because that's the, the mess. Um, that's where the mess lies. And that show was a mess even before it became a real mess. Afterwards, the, the, the pay-per-view itself, the matches itself, like it, they kind of they, they limped their way into the show with a bunch of weird story stuff that just at the time felt awkward and it felt like they were trying to tell two weeks worth of story in about five minutes of like, oh, well, we've got to make this match happen right now. So you go out there and you act mopey and then this guy's going to walk out and he's going to curse and then you're going to get fired up and say Chicago and then everyone's going to buy it. I came out of that going like, this feels fucking crazy. The the justification for a CM Punk John Moxley rematch felt so fucking forced. Because they if you if you didn't if you're not following this stuff, and there's I'm sorry, there's no way I can fill in the entire backstory. It's a match they did on TV the Wednesday beforehand that took about three minutes or less. And CM Punk lost the match and John Moxley won the title. And it was like, oh man, yeah, that was a crazy shocking moment. Like people wanted to see a big knockdown brawl of a match between these guys. But boy, was, at least that was a weird shocking moment. And John Moxley is a bad motherfucker. And like, you know, I, I can, okay, I can see this. And then they immediately got back to a rematch for the pay-per-view because that's the match they'd been selling for the pay-per-view. So it was not surprising that they found a way to get back to a CM Punk John Moxley rematch for the pay-per-view on Sunday. And that match was fine. They they wrestled well. They did they they did good wrestling. CM Punk ended up winning the match. There were a bunch of other matches on the card. Too many, in fact. They they seems like they just overbooked the heck out of it. They put you know there was, I guess the story is that Christian was injured, but they ended up doing a short little thing where he went out and had a very quick match, and they had a another character. Uh, turned from good guy to bad guy, even though he had just turned from bad guy to good guy like a couple weeks before. Luchasaurus is like the new big show or something. I don't know. Like, turn him again. Fuck it. Um, and so just a lot of the stuff on the show felt really messy. They had a bunch of matches on there that were just like, it was three-on-three matches in a way that just didn't seem to make sense. They had one tournament final that was a three-on-three match that like had the potential for a really interesting storyline where you've got three people on one team wrestling against one of their good friends and longtime friends and his new friends. And, and they didn't do enough with that. That match just kind of happened. And you're like, okay, yeah, I guess a lot of stuff just felt like it came together a little too fast and got thrown away. Um, so that whole show to me just felt very off, very off kilter, a very weird energy to it. Um, you know, a lot of this is set against the backdrop of a lot of uh, internet reports of like backstage, uh, unrest. They're like, oh, people are kind of, hmm. And this guy said this, this guy said this, and it's just a lot of dirt sheet bullshit, and and you're like, I, this stuff is kind of gross, and I, I'm just going to stop reading. I, that, that led me to be like, I'm just going to stop reading this dirt sheet stuff, because I, I don't, I'm not having a good time watching this show a little bit right now. And, uh, and then the pay-per-view happened, and it just felt off, and it just didn't, yeah, I, I don't know. Like the 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 matchmaking, the matches themselves. There were some really high points on the show. Uh, I'm I'm happy to see Tony Storm win that interim belt. I think she's phenomenal. Um, but then having her later on go kind of insinuate that the other person was maybe not injured and and she says she's injured is just like, especially taken against all of the other fucking weird drama, is just some unnecessary fucking bullshit. So AEW does this thing. Where after their major shows, after their their major pay-per-views, they will have what they call a media scrum, which is just a press conference. You know, they get up there and, you know, it's the same thing you see at the end of a basketball game, you know, where they get up there and they talk. And they're really awkward because it's people talking about, it's like they get, some of the reporters there ask questions that are very much like in-universe, in-character, like, what do you think about your next opponent? And and then the 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 wrestler has to kind of snap into like you know their in character mode and go like well I'm gonna get up there and brother and you know I'm gonna brother him brother and you know like all that sort of stuff and then some of it's very real some of it is is removed from that universe and like hey yeah no it, it was great to work with this person and we did we did this cool thing and you know it was great to build the this you know like I'm I'm more of a fan of the kind of reality like hey you know like. We've got a lot of time on TV to do the fucking in-character stuff. Like, let's talk about the, the true behind-the-scenes stuff here. But wrestling is some carny bullshit, and so they blur the lines all over the place. And so the, these, these media scrums are always really awkward, are um, really awkward anyway. So they get CM Punk out there. And so I, I whatever the, the pay-per-view ends and I'm getting ready to go to bed. I'm like, man, that was a long fucking show. And I just, I don't know. It felt off to me. I, I didn't really have a good time watching it. Like I almost turned it off a couple of times. Cause I was just like, eh, you know, I'm not, I'm just not really feeling it. It's fine. It's also been a long weekend of wrestling. And so I'm a little just not, I don't know, like the, the AEW show. Like I said, it just, it just felt very off to me across the board. And the last couple of weeks of their, Build up to this show felt very off and the whole thing just felt like, ah, you know, sometimes they've been handed a shit sandwich in terms of like, hey, all the people you wanted on your big show just got injured. So what are you going to do? And they've pulled it out like that forbidden door show they did a while back. The was cursed, like everyone was getting hurt, all this other stuff. But that show was still incredible. I was thinking like, ah, this thing's been a mess. But like they've they've gone into some messy situations and, and come out the other end of it with putting on an amazing program. This was not that. It had some really good high points, but like the, what the best moments of that show were on the pre-show, Eddie Kingston versus, uh, she like that was fucking cool as hell. Um, so anyway, I turn it off. I'm getting ready to go to bed. I'm just like, Ugh, man, weird to think a Seamus match was the best match I saw all weekend, but that's kind of a nice, uh, it was nice to see the acclaimed, uh, do so well, even if they lost blah, blah, blah. Um, that was still a really fun match. And then, you know, then I look over at the discord and I just see like this sudden scroll of like, I what the fuck are they doing? What the fuck is going on? I'm like, well, I guess I got to turn this fucking thing on. And I go turn this media scrum on. And as soon as I hit play on the YouTube video, it's just CM Punk looking wild eyed and out of his fucking mind. Basically just going like, yeah, you know what? Cole, come Fuck that guy is fucking when I was in a lawsuit with him 10 years ago. I don't want to fucking talk about this shit, but you keep fucking dragging it up. There's people backstage starting this shit. Scott Colton and his fucking mother on his fucking bank account. And these fucking muffins are really good. But what the fuck? And he just like starts basically tearing apart the entire company that he works for as an independent contractor, but, um, and now holds their highest belt there. He is their He is their biggest star. And I guess if you go and look at the ratings and all of this other stuff, that proves it, that people turn on the TV when he is on it. And so maybe that gives him a little bit more of a, uh, uh, feeling like he can get away with all of that sort of stuff. And, um, and it just keeps going. Meanwhile, Tony Khan, who is the owner of the company, who runs the company, is sitting right next to him. As this guy tears apart other people backstage, all this other stuff, like this guy went into fucking business for him fucking self, and what's he out there saying he doesn't take advice from people? Fucking what that's like that's like if, if Barry Bonds was backstage. Just like this this full-on rant about how the younger talent is some of the younger talent is not taking advantage of some of the veterans who were there. Which is a very old man wrestler thing to say, um, but just fucking
1: not the fucking place for it. Um,
0: And so he just goes on this weird fucking rant, just like just just dumping, just fucking strays every direction. He can fucking send him, and some of the stuff he said, I, I, I listened to him go like, yeah, no, I, I see where he's coming from. Like if I fucking ended up in a lawsuit with some fucking guy 10 fucking years ago and like it, it got fucking addressed and it's just like, it's something I want to put behind me and I don't want to fucking deal with it anymore. Um, but it keeps coming up. I would eventually be pissed and lashed out and lash out too. The weird thing is like, if you go back and listen to the question he was asked that led to all this stuff starting, Question wasn't about that. Uh, he just kind of brought that to the table, and like, and by the way, like, he just showed up ready to fucking start shit. Um, and it's a fucking terrible look. And, and so, so now imagine that the fucking guy who runs the place is sitting right next to him, and he's just kind of like nodding, just like like deer in the headlights, and just like like kind of like shaking his head a little bit. Like, huh, huh. And you can see that the, like the wheels are turning on him, and he's just like. You know, there's a couple of, like, maybe I'm mapping this onto him, but I'm watching that and and you just see him just like, my take is him just going, ah, shit. Well, I'm out here in front of these people. Like I can't, I I don't know what the, I'm, I'm out here in front of these people. I'm still here. I can't fucking, like, I don't want to fucking cut him off and fucking start even bigger trouble. Like that to me was the only thing I could think of was like that. He just didn't, he didn't want to have a fucking full on fight there in front of people But he did nothing. He did nothing to stick up for the people that are, you know, ostensibly fucking executive vice presidents in the company, which that's a whole different can of worms that absolutely should not be the case. The thing that is fucked up the wrestling business. I think if you, if you go back and you, you know, a lot of people shit on a lot of these fucking podcasts of old timers talking about old times, but, um, There's some consistency there. There's when you when you go back and listen to a lot of these shows and kind of cross reference and put it together. The thing that you hear time and time again is never have an active wrestler in any position of power over other active wrestlers. Don't let a fucking wrestler book the fucking show. Don't let a fucking another wrestler fucking like, like, like do not put wrestlers in positions of power over other fucking wrestlers. Because wrestlers inherently, uh, you know, by being independent contractors, by trying to be stars on their own right, they are always going to try to fucking, the, the incentives are fucked up because they are always going to want to try to put themselves in positions of fucking strength on the television show. So don't fucking do it. Tony Khan knows this. Tony Khan has shit posted longer than some of you have been alive, I bet. Maybe, um, Tony Khan knows his wrestling history and I would think he would know better than to end up in this situation, but also sometimes he just seems like he's in way over his fucking head and this was a situation where he seemed like he was in way over his fucking head. And you've heard stories about like, oh, they had to have a talent meeting because things are just getting a little fucking out of control and people are kind of being shitty and blah, blah, blah. You know, and this, this moment of CM Punk out there fucking shitting all over numerous other people that, that work there had a real inmates running the asylum kind of fucking feel to it. It had a real like, Tony Khan does not have control over his own fucking company. If this, is, if, if he, if this guy is sitting right next to him and doing this, right next to Tony Khan because he knows Tony Khan ain't going to fucking do shit about it. What does that tell you about what a lot of those guys really think about Tony Khan? And so, um, I think that that aspect of it alone is fucking insane enough. And so, wh- I watched that and then CM Punk got up and left and then uh, you know, Keith Lee and Swerve uh, Strickland came in and did their thing and everything kind of got relatively back on track at least in terms of what that little um media scrum was and then apparently fucking dude walks backstage goes into his fucking office and now we're getting into dirt sheet reports again because there's video of this or that's out there um that him and one of his buddies fucking got into a fight backstage with other wrestlers and fucking like legit threw a fucking chair at someone and fucking practically knocked him out there's reports that like oh yeah Ace steel fucking bit Kenny Omega you're like what (laughs) fucking what Um, and you know people always want to hold out some kind of and and because this is wrestling now now because this is wrestling you're always going to have people who are like Oh, well, it's all fake. This is all... uh, This is all just them. This is all just part of the show. This is just them building up to the next thing. This is all just them creating... This is all just them selling tickets, if you will. And... uh, My response to that in this specific case is if if this is fake, if this is their next idea for the storyline direction of their program... That's fucking worse because it fucking sucks to be like, oh man, yeah, all this backstage turmoil, like no one's getting along. The head of the company looks like a fucking dumbass. Like they all look like fucking idiots and children. So if this is what they would use to fucking
1: build the next storyline, that's even
0: dumber. That is even dumber because everything they did overshadowed everything on the program that just happened. And so, if you've got a, a situation where you're like, "Oh, well, we've got a you know, hey, MJF is back after being gone for three months or however long it ended up being," um, and um, and hey, uh, that's a big deal because he was a he's a big star, and the crowd really went nuts when he walked out there. Anyway, let's shit all over that by getting into some weird fucking. Worked-fucking-shoot-fight after the... Sh- no. Like that... If that's their plan... Again... Again... Let's allow for the possibility...
1: If that's their big idea... They're... Even... Dumber... Than if this was all just real. That's even dumber. So...
0: and And also... You know... By allowing for that possibility... This is all fucking real until it's not, right? Because now, faced with this situation, you have to pick up the pieces and go, okay, is this our next storyline? Do, how do we make money out of this? Like, that's the if you want to truly fucking carny out, if you want to fucking brother out all the fucking way, then you have to figure out how to turn this real situation into money how do you turn this into the next big feud? How do you turn this into the fucking next big, uh, storyline for the company? And also when you take into account the sorts of, the sort of fighting that happened back there, like a lot of the reports around this are basically saying like, Hey, um, there was discussion about maybe one of these guys needs to fucking go to jail over this. (laughs) You're like, Oh, okay. Uh, because of how severe some of these fucking this brawl got um which is a wild situation uh on top of a wild situation and so at the end of the day I'm just sad about it you know because I um I think when that company has been firing on all cylinders they have provided an amazing alternative to uh you know a, a different type of mainstream wrestling uh, for North American audiences. And, um, and I love the new characters that they have brought to bear. Generally speaking, I even came around on the bucks themselves. Like I, I think some of their matches are good, but also I think all of the stuff that they do on YouTube, like, I feel like every time I turn on their fucking YouTube vlog and it's just like them walking into hotel rooms at 3am flipping off the camera or uh, flipping off a mirror. I was like, oh, fuck off. What, what is this? What is this bullshit?
1: Um. so I, I don't like
0: at the end of the day here you got to look at this and go like okay how do we get this under control who gets fired Ace steel is a very likely fall guy for this because he's not even on camera regularly so you know he's done he's the safest fucking person to you know if you can hang all this on him and let the heat die down from your yeah people are I know yes what the as Fightful is reporting that Discovery, the network, has contacted AEW over it to try to figure out what the fuck's going on. Um, I think there's more money in a Hangman Page-CM Punk feud than, than we got, and I think that that, that last confrontation seemed awkward. Um, and the thing I'll say is that when Hangman Punch... When, hangman Punch? When Hangman Page supposedly went into business for himself by bringing up the... I've got to protect AEW from guys like you. Shit. I don't think an invasion storyline works. I don't think, an in, I don't think the, the ex-WWE guys versus AEW originals, I don't think that's a money-making angle long-term. But when he said that shit out there, I agreed with it because I like seeing new characters and new stars and shit. This has some fucking main event mafia fucking stink on it already. A bunch of fucking bullshit. These people are fucking children. Fucking millionaires out there fucking squabbing over their fucking bruised egos. I mean, I get it. yay.
1: Yeah. I've got a CM
0: Punk-esque rant in me about some shit. But I'm not going to fucking do it. Uh, But the... You know, or does this end up being a situation where this is how you build up Ring of Honor? Is that their way out of it? It's like, okay, we need two rosters. One for AEW, one for Ring of Honor. And this is how we're going to build it. Um, No, probably not. I don't
1: know. It's...
0: I, just any of the uh, when I look at any of the obvious ways that you would probably try to turn this into making money, none of them sound like good television. And the thing I want out of AEW more than anything else is good television. And they have delivered quite a lot of good television over the last few years. And if they get mired in this shit and this shit bleeds over onto the shows, whether directly or just by virtue of like it's in a, it's unavoidable now. Absolutely unavoidable now. Um, you know what? Do you, what do you do? Do you fire CM Punk because he's just too fucking too? You know, do you fire the guy that you can tie to your ratings number as like your biggest draw because he's a fucking asshole because he he, he escalated all this shit. Did he start that shit? No. Yes. No you could point a lot of fingers, a lot of different directions based on some of the reporting out there. And again, like I, you know, I want to continue to allow for the possibility that fucking, I don't know what the fuck's going on What the fuck. I'm not there. I don't, I, I don't regularly talk to anyone. Um, at AEW these days.
1: Um, But
0: I think if you just look at what's out there, if you look at the pieces on the board, right? If you look at the, what they have to work with based on the stuff that happened on the pay-per-view and where those storylines lead and the shit that happened after the pay-per-view. I think you just kind of have to look at it and just go like, all right, what we need to figure out who's eating shit on this one. Uh, do we do it with fines and suspensions or are they just going to straight up fucking fire somebody? Um you know, wrestlers don't have to like each other to work together. That's been true for, for decades and decades. Um, but I don't know. The the AEW pitch to talents often was, this is a really great place to work. It's a really good locker room environment. It's a really, you know, CM Punk said as much when he came there. It's was like, oh, it just sounded like a really good locker room environment. I was like, well, congratulations. You're amongst the people fucking it up. Um, you are on the list of people that are, are fucking it up. Did you... Is it? Is it all your fault? No, of course not. Of course not. It's some fucking bullshit. It's very easy to believe that some fucking people are fucking talking shit behind his fucking back and, and being shitty and fucking leaking shit to reporters. Like, this business... You know, the other thing is that, like, all these fucking wrestlers are fucking snakes. And sabotaging each other to fucking protect their spot and all this other fucking horse shit. So it's very easy to believe that this is just going to be some fucking bullshit for a very long time. And yeah, I don't know. it's, It's a shame. I, I, and, and it comes at maybe the worst fucking possible time for them competitively. Because if you think about it, this comes at a time when WWE is fucking getting their shit together you have all these reports out there and granted they're all reports from people who want to keep their job and want to make nice with the new boss and all this other stuff. But it's still a lot of reports from people saying like, ah, it's really great working here. It's really refreshing working for triple H. I love that guy. You got people that are fucking just fresh out of fucking AEW, being like, I'd fucking, I'd, I'd kick i'd I'd cut my arm off for triple H. I'd shave this dumb mustache off for triple H or whatever, you know? Um, and so, like, they are, it it sounds like they are having a somewhat better working environment. Is the television better? Yes. Is it perfect? No. Any show where they're like, hey, Braun Strowman is back is, you know, clearly not solving all of their fucking problems. I just, you know, I'm just glad when faced with the idea of controlling his narrative, Adam Schur decided, you know what? I'd rather let Triple H control my narrative for this amount of
1: money. love his convictions love his fucking yeah he's just uh just a really dedicated to the cause man um
0: anyway i don't know it just wrestling's a fucking mess and it's a shame because it seemed like it was headed for this really fascinating era of And i i just don't i don't like any of this shit any of this fucking backstage bullshit like i'm i'm just so tired of it I'm so tired of the fucking dirt sheets informing the storyline stuff. That was stuff that like just got gross through the WCW era. You know, some of the stuff that the conniving fucking horse shit that, that helped tear apart WCW. And so I just, you know, I, I, the, the idea that AEW was putting on compelling television and then supposedly had a, like a locker room that was, like really together, and maybe that's not the case. I mean, maybe this is just long-term issues that coming to light. That maybe the maybe the young bucks and Kenny Omega have been a fucking real negative drain on that place for a long time. I don't know. It's certainly possible. Uh, and and CM Punk is just calling it out as someone who has been around the business for a long time. And I don't know. This it it's the wrestling business. Though it is a fucking disaster. <laughs> it always will be. Uh, there's no escape from the, the ego, the, the bullshit, all that sort of stuff. And
1: I don't know. I, uh, yeah. And then yes, the
0: AEW game stuff is obviously like still kind of in the news a little bit because you've got. The roster of that thing is really weird. And, you know, there was the story about um, FTR not being in the game. And then that got, kind of got updated. Like, by the way, like Evil Uno is not in the game. and This guy's not in the game. Like people that have been with the company for a very long time. And you have to look at that and assume like, oh, that was those maybe were people that would planned to be in the game. But as they kept signing new talent that were must-haves for the game, your Daniel, your, your Brian Danielsons, your, your CM Punk's, like all that sort of stuff. They must have shifted focus at some point on what that roster was going to look like. And, you know, the, the, the other thing people are like up in arms about every single story about the game seeming slight and low on features. And, you know, there were stories about. um That's I, the, the dirt cheese stories going around. We're like, yes, yeah, see so, you know, the 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 Uno is not in the game. And I, I don't know that for sure, but that's that's what the reporting is. And the reporting seems you know, like it's been at least somewhat accurate but kind of for the wrong reasons. It's, it's not, um, my impression of that game with the way that they talked about it when they first started talking about making a game was that it was always designed to be a much smaller product that they knew going in, that they were not going to compete feature for feature with the shit that WWE was doing, that they were like going to focus on like, Hey, we're going to try and make this small um, kind of homage to the Aki games. We're going to do our best and then build on it from there. And so to me, this always, and, and also the impression I always got from it was that it was not going to be an annual product, that they were not looking to get on that treadmill and put one of these out every single year. And so when you get all of that information together, they're just going to do DLC. They'll update the roster over time. You know, this This seems like a, a product they will want to support for more than a year and that they will continue to add to it over time and then that will eventually lead to the second entry in the series somewhere in the future. That, you know, then they can look, okay, well, we can't just bolt features onto this anymore. We need to make a new full-on game. So none of the stories around the game and the roster and, and all of that sort of stuff um strike me as strange when taken in the context of the AEW video game always felt like it was designed to be a first entry. It was designed to be something a little bit smaller, something that they want to build upon and something that they don't want to bite off more than they can chew. Because remember, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know what the plan was. Like obviously THQ Nordic is publishing that game now. But if you go look on the Steam page, AEW was also listed as a publisher of the game. And originally my understanding is that they were like, Thinking well, we might just publish this ourselves, and that would probably mean it would have been a digital-only product. And it probably at some point the scope did get bigger because now it's a sixty-dollar product on console. You know, it's it, it, it is it is on disc. They are putting out physical versions. They're taking pre-orders, all that sort of stuff. And so, my impression is that that game started with a much smaller scope. They made the scope bigger as they had to along the way because the roster changed and, and a lot of other things changed. They ran into situations probably with FTR specifically where they're like, hey, like to truly represent the tag team style that you do with any kind of depth is going to take more work than we can do right now. And so we're just going to punt on that for later uh, and get to it when we can get to it for whether that's a second game or whether that is a... um. Uh, an update down the line they go like hey this is our tag team update now tag teams have this but there was other stories saying like that they maybe didn't initially account for the idea of being able to create characters and share them like the kind of community creation stuff is what the the lingo is on the wwe side of things and being able to share created characters or rings or belts or or whatever which to me seems like ridiculous that seems like the the kind of must-have a must have feature a is the ability to create stuff, but also it seems like they must, must, must allow characters to share or allow players to share those creations. Because in a lot of cases, that's how you get around um, deficiencies on the roster or departures from the roster or whatever. I wonder who the, the number one WWE guy created in that game would end up being. Because when you launch WWE and I don't know if it's still this way, but you know, I'm like launch week for that last WWE game, um you saw quite a bit of Kenny Omega uh in there. And and yeah. Pat in chat says Cody. My understanding is that Cody is still gonna be in the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the joke, I guess. But yeah, it, it's it's you know, they spent a lot of time and money getting Cody into that game and so he's still going to be in that game which is fucking nuts um anyway wrestling's a mess it it, it 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 i am i am sad about it to a certain extent which is a weird a weird thing to say about a television show um but yeah i don't know it just it just feels like a fucking mess and uh, on the the AEW stuff is is just is sad uh i I have enjoyed that those two television shows uh, rampage and dynamite for, for quite some time. Now they have, they have done a lot of good work, but the last couple of weeks of television, the build up to this show, all that sort of stuff has left a really bad taste in my mouth. And, you know, meanwhile, on the other end, WWE is becoming a little bit more fun and a little bit more engaging. Having Dexter Loomis pop out from under a mat and doing all this goofy shit. And you know, it's just like, yeah, they're, they're, they're picking up the pace a little bit. They're, they're doing some interesting things on the other side. And that's why I say it's like this stuff couldn't... seems like it's coming at the worst possible time because you're going to now have, as contracts come up, if this is the vibe backstage at AEW, as these contracts come up, you're going to have people who are now going to be maybe even more likely to be like, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Right? Because at some point, you know, you, you like probably in the in the wake of this, you're like right now, right now, you probably got a Tony Khan sitting in a room with some people, going like, "All right, shit, we got to do television tomorrow. Like, um, can we get these guys on the same page enough to to do something? Is this something we can capitalize on now? Who are we? Who are we suspending? Who are we? You know, like, like who are the people where, that are definitely not going to be on television? Are are they getting lawyers? Like, what's the you know? Again, assuming all this stuff is straight up fucking real, the because it's real until it's not. Can we get these guys on the same page enough to where they can work together and we can make money off of this and make good television off of this? And maybe they can turn it around, but I, I just, I don't know. The vibe of it feels fucking terrible for me. Um, but it felt that way even before this weird event went down. The pay-per-view itself just felt very off to me. So Chad is saying, yes, okay. uh, what downtown cm brown says mjf versus punk tomorrow mjf wins the belt punk suspended fixed yeah sure That that that's a way you could go
1: that is a way you could go i don't know let's uh i don't i don't want to. i don't want to talk about wrestling anymore <laughs> let's uh
0: let's get into some emails about it uh <clears throat> podcast at guard.bike is the email address for you to send your emails to and then I will, uh, I will look them over and so on and so forth
1: let's see what we got here
0: um Thomas from New Jersey says a trend I noticed throughout the PlayStation 4 generation was games moving away from dense urban open worlds in favor of more open wilderness. While the trees and grass has never looked better, is the move away from cities partially because a convincing city is more expensive and time-consuming to create with modern AAA visuals than a sparsely populated wilderness? Huh. Um, I think it's a couple of things. Like, yeah, there's probably an aspect of, like, you know... Maybe it is a little bit, uh, yeah. You get your speed tree out there. You get your speed tree out there, make some trees, um, make some nice looking trees and stuff. But, but I think, like just trend wise, I think Grand Theft Auto and all of the games that cloned Grand Theft Auto over the years cast a very long shadow. And I think that, like generally speaking, I think there, you, you hit a point last generation where players wanted something else especially once a game like GTA online got off the ground and started sucking up all of those players. So if you were going to put out an urban style, open world game, like a Watch Dogs, I mean, you know, those games came along, your crackdown threes, your, you know, like those games did exist over the last couple of generations. Um, people just didn't seem to want it as much. And so the, the open wilderness and that sort of stuff, uh, the, that style, I think just felt fresh by comparison. I mean, you saw Assassin's Creed even moving away from you know, like like Assassin's Creed moving to these much wider open worlds that give them a lot of that wilderness. Uh and you saw them doing that back in the 360 generation for sure. Um, <clears throat> but now that's they're they're firmly planted there in a way that they weren't originally. And yeah, I I think that it's just a a desire to like, Hey, they, they made too many of those. They, there were too many games that were GTA knockoffs. And now you kind of just can't, can't get a, you just, there's just a little bit too much of that. And I liked watchdogs too. There were aspects of watchdogs, legion, legion, Watch Dogs legion. I was gonna say watchdogs fusion, but that's not the name of that game. Um, that were Okay. It just kind of got a little too dull along the way. I, I played way more of that game than I thought I would, but still just kind of fell off it before finishing it. Um, I think these trends are end, end up being cyclical, and, and I think that, you know, we could see a return to that style, but also everyone knows that there's another Grand Theft Auto in the works, and everyone knows that that's going to, again, suck up a lot of those players. And if the online stuff is as sticky as it was with G- current GTA Online it's a really strong uphill battle that you have to fight to try to keep players around, especially if you're, if you're going to do season passes and updates and multiplayer modes and all that sort of stuff, you know, you, you have to, you have to compete with one of the industry's all time biggest names in a, in a GTA. And so right now is maybe a good window for that. And where, you know, GTA online is I'm sure still quite big, but it doesn't seem like it is sucking up as much attention as it did, you know, even two years ago. Um. So, you know, in some ways, like Saints Row was kind of well-timed, right? Because there hasn't been one of those in a while. And, uh, you know, since really Watch Dogs Legion. But uh, Watch Dogs, that last Watch Dogs felt more like an on-foot game. Like the driving was in there for sure, but I, I don't know. Didn't feel... It didn't feel like the missions were structured quite so much as that style of go here, shoot these guys, drive here, do this. Like it felt like a, like it had a little bit more going on ever so slightly, um, with the drones and, you know, the stealth stuff and, you know, like infiltrate this police station you know, there's, there's some neat ideas along the way that, that give it some more mission variety than, than certainly saints row had, um, And so, yeah, over the next couple of years here before the next GTA ships is probably like a decent little window. If you wanted to make your urban, you know, environment, open world game, that you could probably get away with it before the next GTA comes out. And unless they shit the bed and and screwed up, then, you know, they will absorb all those players all over again. and, And then maybe it'll go away again. But, but yeah, Brock writes in. Asking about Nintendo and says, I was wondering what you think the likelihood would be of Nintendo ever porting and releasing games on the PC would be. It seems like it would be pretty low effort for them to release even just Super Mario Brothers for the NES on Steam for five bucks and make a lot of money. But is Nintendo just Nintendo and this is a pipe dream? I think they'll do it. Um, not right now, but I, I think you, if you... Stretch the timeline out far enough, I think Nintendo will um, find new ways to put its games onto other platforms. Um, And I think, yeah, some people in in chat are saying that they would probably do it with phones before they would do it with PC. I think that. I could see that. But also, Nintendo's not going to... I don't think they would put it out on phones unless they were also suddenly like... And now we're also selling a Bluetooth NES controller that you can tether to your phone to play these games the way they were meant to be played because no one wants to play it with a touchscreen because that sucks. I think they would recognize that that sucks um, and that that would keep them from doing it. But, you know, they've licensed out their IP before for, uh, for use on computers. You got Super Mario Brothers Special sitting right there. That PC-88 version, that Sharp X1 version, quality product. Quality product right there. But I, you know, yeah, you could see them doing, I mean, I would, you know, would it make more sense for them to, to do that as a subscription service? As like the, you know, you were subscribing to the Nintendo virtual console service for X amount of money and then games rotate in and out of it. And they do that on PC. Maybe that would make sense. Um,
1: But yeah, I don't know. I, you know, the
0: Putting NES games on the PC, some people have been doing it for decades. And, and more recently, people have been doing it in legitimate commercial products for decades. That Turtles collection just came out with a horde of NES and SNES and Game Boy games in it and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, certainly other third parties are willing to do that with those games and make it happen. But uh, Nintendo itself... Yeah, on some level, I don't see why they haven't done it because, yeah, if you... you know, I don't think that's a good purchase, but I think they would make some money on it if they were like, hey, here's Super Mario Brothers and we're putting it on the Epic Store and on Steam for five bucks. Like, sure, why not? Um, but I think... I wonder I wonder if Nintendo will get weird with the PC um, if the Steam Deck catches on in a way that makes it feel competitive with whatever Nintendo is doing, will that end up being a, uh, something that keeps them from ever wanting to put their games on PC officially, because then it's like, Oh, people are buying this steam deck and using it to play wrecking crew. We can't have that. Um, I could see them being really weird about that. Uh, especially when they get into, their next hardware, assuming it maintains the same form factor and that it is a follow-up, a more direct follow-up to the Switch. Um, I think that, that ends up being something that they have to at least think about is, is you know, is the Steam Deck a competitive platform to them? Yes or no? Right now, I suspect their answer is no. But I bet that they are keeping an eye on it and thinking like, hmm. You know, if they if they can make a smaller one of these... If they can make a more price-friendly, cost-friendly, consumer-friendly version of this device, then that's something that they have to think about.
1: I don't know. We'll see. Uh,
0: Ben in Boston writes in and says, In talking about Saints Row, you mentioned the many Grand Theft Auto knockoffs chasing its success. Of all the other also ran games, the ones that we don't talk about as much are the, are the, as the genre-defining successes. Sorry, that's a mess. I, I messed up that sentence. That sentence is fine. I'm not fine. What have been some of your favorites? Are there any that you think should be remembered more fondly than they are, or that legitimately innovated? Man, you know, I think that um, I think you know. Actually, I think Watchdogs with the kind of the hacks, the in environment like, oh, you can change these traffic lights, you can do this, you can hack this, you can hack cameras, you know, like that aspect of the game, I think was not all that well realized in the first Watch Dogs. And, you know, honestly, I don't know that it was that well realized across any of them, but it, it is a cool idea that I think helps it stand out from the pack. And I think that that, that that's one that i go like you know that game all of those games have problems um but i think watch dogs 2 was kind of cool for its own on its own merits um when it comes to that a lot of people like sleeping dogs uh that game's fine um you know they they did some fun stuff with that formula i you know they they made a good one of those i think right like they did a good job making that style of game and um, adding like some more interesting kind of melee combat type stuff to it and and there's some cool little bits and pieces in there I don't know like you know I'm trying to think what else yeah Simpsons hit and run is that is is that one of them is that one of the standouts maybe maybe it actually is there were so many there for a while where you had I mean, more directly, stuff like fucking Scarface and The Godfather. Those games, I'm sorry. That Scarface game, I remember playing it for review at the time and just being like, my God, this is miserable. I'm having such a fucking terrible time with this piece of shit game. Like, it was competent on a lot of levels. It wasn't necessarily, like, terrible top to bottom. But boy, oh boy, I, all I remember about Scarface is, is like having to play through it and going like, God, I hate, I hate that I have to play through this. Um, the mafia franchise, you know, they're still making them. They're still, they're still making those. So that's, there's something there. Uh, I was never, I was never really a a huge, um, a huge fan of the mafia games, the getaway God, the getaway the getaway to me always felt like a game that people loved because it was a PlayStation exclusive. And so like the people that go out of their way to really love PlayStation exclusives really loved the getaway. But I feel like a lot of other people went and played getaway and went like, man, yeah, it's okay, I guess. Or, you know, it's trying to do some stuff here, here and there. But, um, I remember I, I, you know, the specifics are maybe a little bit lost time at this point, but I remember, trying to play the getaway, the first getaway and being like, this game is just a pain in the ass to play. It's not, it is like, it's a hassle. I'm trying to remember why I didn't, they they touted like, oh, this is, this is real London.
1: Um, but
0: yeah, I, I remember like, what is the, the driving? Yeah, it was slower. It was slower. Someone in chat is saying, yeah, time limits and it was slower. Maybe that was the stuff. It's just like driving around the city just sucked. And I, I never liked the driver games. People love driver one and two driver three is a, a a profound train wreck. Um, and then driver San Francisco driver San Francisco, at least had a weird idea where you were in a coma throughout the entire game. And that's why you, you were able to warp out of your vehicle and, and warp into another vehicle to kind of just like warp around the world and and solve some of the missions and, and stuff like that, like it, it was a cool fucking idea. It was a lot better than Driver Three was, that's for sure. Um, And yeah, what else, man? There's yeah, stunt yeah, the stuntman games, kind of similar type stuff. And there were just a lot of those games. Is Starsky and Hutch one of those? Is Starsky and Hutch a driver esque. GTA-esque game. I, I can't even remember at this point. Or was it all driving? Yeah, Wheelman. I remember Wheelman being better than it seemed like it should be. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. It just It felt like there were just a ton of those things coming out when GTA was the, the biggest game in town. Even Saints Row 1, which, you know, no one really talks about Saints Row 1 because people have filed off into camps where they either love Saints Row 2 or 3 and you cannot love both i guess i love 3 um but saints row 1 had multiplayer which that was an innovative thing at the time it was one of the first to make it to the new generation of consoles when it came out on 360 and so it was the first time you saw one of those that was like pretty on the you know in 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 the in the generational context and Um, And that made it stand out a little bit, but boy, I I remember just the collect-a-thon, like collecting songs off the soundtrack and that sort of stuff, which I guess, I don't know. uh, In Saints Row 1, like with collectibles, all the weird stuff like that. I remember that game being just kind of a pain at the end of the day. But um, I remember when Saints Row 1 came out, we had done something we had agreed. And so it was like a, it was a paid, like uh, I, it, you know, thinking back on it now, it was actually probably pretty shitty of us to participate in this, but we did a really long Saints Row 1 live stream uh, back when people weren't doing live streams because that, again, this is the week that Saints Row, this is the weekend before Saints Row 1 came out, if I remember correctly. And I, the reviewer, which I want to say was Greg Kasavin, Ended up doing one of his really long live streams reviewing that game. And then later on, like we, part of that live stream, we then had to like play online matches with him. So at a certain point in the day, we all got online and and played matches with him as part of this live stream. And I'm trying to remember, I like, I seem to remember it being then sponsored by Saints Row, which is like the fucking. which is a, you know, not a, not a good <laughs> sort of chain of events. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe it was sponsored by someone else, but it was this weird thing where we were appearing on sponsored content. And that was something that we normally would, would not do. I can't remember the, the exact specifics, but remember, you know, it was, it was the idea that like, because Greg was reviewing the game, he didn't want to interact with the chat or any kind of live stream type stuff. Cause he didn't, you know, you know, like the last thing you want is like people in the chat telling you it's better than it is and all that sort of stuff and you want to make sure that you're doing it properly. Um and and yeah, I think I remember I think that's how that went. And so all of us had copies of Saints Row the weekend before it came out, but the but we then had to get online and play it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was a weird it was a weird situation, but I don't know. Saints Row like 1 was first to the dance and for that it it stands out and and for that I think it was actually not a not a terrible game. Um it it doesn't it did not age well, I think when you think about the games that came after it and the way people love those games and and all that sort of stuff, but like I remember Saints Row 1 being like fine. And you're like either into the comedy or not. Um because the comedy, remember, the comedy of, of Saints Row 1 is like, yeah, we've got a fast food restaurant like Wendy's, but it's called Freckle Bitches. When you're like, why is that? Because the Wendy's lady has freckles. You're like, oh, yeah, cool. That is good. <laughs> I love, this is the, the, uh, one of the good little bits and i'm sure some people took this the exact wrong way because they're fucking their predisposition to do so but uh in the new saints row they have a bunch of restaurants around that are just called fb's and it's totally freckle bitches but just like kfc fucking had to you know renamed itself from kentucky fried chicken to kfc because the word fried didn't fucking play anymore I love the idea of after all these years that freckle bitches had to go like, Oh, we have to fucking rebrand. This just isn't fucking working for us anymore. (laughs) Like in, in world, that's actually like a fucking funny bit. And I'm sure there's someone who's just like, they censored freckle bitches. (laughs) Like shut the fuck up. The fuck dumbass. Oh my God. I actually, so I think that's actually like a pretty funny, dumb little fucking thing. Um, In a game that needs a lot more of of it uh, of dumb little things, Um, I love yeah. Just the idea that like the the proprietors of freckle bitches had to like sit and think like, oh man, we gotta we gotta update with the times.
1: Um, let's maybe take one more email here. Oh boy.
0: Uh, Jacob writes in and says an impossible choice. Which would you take a new season of John Benjamin has a van or a new season of Kroll show? I I don't, I don't think this is an impossible choice at all. I would take a new season of John Benjamin has a van over damn near any television show that is on right now for sure. Um, Kroll show, I I liked Kroll show a lot, but the thing I'll say about Kroll show is that it leaned on a lot of the same characters to a degree that was maybe a little bit too much, a little too, too back to the well on some of that stuff. But, uh, at the same time though, I would say Kroll show, not enough Bobby bottle service. One of the all-time, uh, one of the all-time great uh, comedy bang bang characters. Um, yeah, no, Kroll Show was really good. Uh, I, I, as as someone who I, I like watching John Daly be funny because I think he's really fucking good at it. I think he was really good on that show. Nick Kroll, good as well. I mean, of course. Um, yeah, Kroll Show was a hell of a show. But John Benjamin has a van. Is one of those. To me, that show is just on such a fucking. Higher level, yes. Wheels Ontario, yes. They're fucking, they're fake. DeGrassi. Ugh. Wheels Ontario was fucking <laughs> really good. Kroll show is really good. I should probably go rewatch Kroll show because it's been it's been a few years uh, since I've since I've watched it. Um, but John Benjamin has a van. Is I just think that that show is so fucking funny. It is so layered. Um, and I just think John Benjamin is so fucking hilarious. Oh my God.
1: Oh, it's, it's yeah.
0: Both really good shows. Someone in chat asking about human giant. Yes. Human giant. Really, really good. I recently got my hands on the full 24 hour marathon. They did where cracked out performed. Uh, if you, if you have access to the Fleetwood crack EP, there's some decent cuts on that from Brett Gelman and John Daly, you know, rapping. Um, yeah. Review the, yeah. Uh, yes. Bennigan's is a, is a quality. That's a quality track. Uh, Andy Daly's version of review, which I guess was an Australian show originally. I don't know that I've ever seen the original, but I, Andy Daly is as far as I can tell, one of the funniest people alive, dead or alive. Fuck it. Andy Daly is fucking incredible. Um, and review was amazing. I the, yeah, the Nathan Fielder stuff. I, I'm not, you know, I've not watched the rehearsal. It's it's just it's not it's not really my thing. Like the same, like kind of the same way that
1: the, um,
0: the same way that Eric Andre show kind of gets do it's kind of like man on the street type stuff. Like it, it's, it's not obviously it's not a one-to-one comparison, but there's just the Nathan Fielder stuffs a lot. And I'm not always, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not always into that specific thing and okay while we're doing comedy opinions i think that i think you should leave is not as funny as people think i think it it, it is and and I, I at some point i fell off of it and did not watch the rest of it and so maybe it gets um better but my initial take on it from watching the first few episodes was that like every sketch was like dude just comes in and yells louder. Like his whole character is I'm going to yell weird things about this situation. Like I'm the sane one. And that's the sketch. And there was just too much of that. And I felt like I saw four or five of those in those first handful of episodes. And I was like, I'm good. This is not terrible, but I'm not. It's, I don't, I don't think it's fucking great. And so maybe one of these days I'll go back and, and watch the rest of it, but it's, it's fine. Um, I mean, compared to the other stuff that we've been talking about, I don't think it's even in the same fucking conversation. Cause jeez. Um, but yeah, that is one of those things that I'm like, I should go back and watch the rest of this because people do seem to love it. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. If I'm if I'm gonna go back and watch some some older stuff, like yeah, John Benjamin has a van. I'd love to rewatch that, troll um, show. It's been a while. I want to go back and rewatch the Peter Serafinowitz show. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since
1: I've seen Toilet Gun. Um. Anyway,
0: let's wrap it up. That's the podcast for this week. You've got a lot of comedy to go watch. Or I guess you could just go watch the initial run of Mr. Show. I still need to finish the the new season of Kids in the Hall. Which um, sounds like it's incredibly strong. What I saw of it seemed very good, but uh, you know, I just haven't, I don't know, for whatever reason just haven't watched the all, every single new episode of that. Um, but but yeah, it's, it sounds like that was just a fucking good-ass season of Kids in the Hall, which is great. Hey, guess what? Kids in the Hall, good. Mr. Show, good. The The With Bob and David kind of new return season of Mr. Show, not so good.
1: Oh. By comparison, I loved to see it happen, but... Qualitatively disappointing, I'll say. Disappointing. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I'm gonna
0: go watch. You can't do that on television. I've got all those episodes sitting right here. Uh, th- those episodes live in my closet, actually. Uh, also, hey, you uh, Rowan and Martin's Laugh In is on fucking Tubi. <laughs> if you wanna, if you just want to watch the show that you can't do that on television, took all of its style from. In a weird way. Uh, go, go watch episodes of fucking Laugh-In. On fucking Tubi. Alright, that's going to do it for the show. I'm pushing the music button again. Uh, what else is going on this week? I, am, uh, I think I am uh, making a guest appearance on another program, but I have not heard back. So, I will leave that vague for now, but I'll be on Twitter talking about that as soon as that's locked down. Um, and, um, you know, you'll see me streaming probably Thursday and Friday if this guest thing happens. If this guest thing happens and I am not on someone else's show, then perhaps you will see me Wednesday and Friday. Everything's up in the air, it's all loosey goosey, baby. But we'll get it locked down. As soon as I know, you'll know on Twitter, on the Discord. On Patreon over at dopeassvideogames.com. All these places. The new episode of the Jeff Gerstmann Hall of Fame is live now on Patreon. Second episode of Game Boys to Men is live now on Patreon. Get your ad-free version of the show there. All that shit. Have a good week, everybody.
1: I'll see you soon. Bye.